It's Friday, January 7th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. You can find them at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Rubs barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. That's stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear made out of melted kydex. Anything you can think of, they will make it for you. Just hit them up, use the code STICK for 5% off. Don't get ready, stay ready. You can never take a good night's sleep for granted. And if there's one person, probably the top pillow scientist in the world, Mike Lindell, and our partner down at MyPillow, ensuring that you'll have the best night's sleep you've ever had with Giza Edition Platinum My Pillows. They're having the largest sale of the season right now where you can get the six pack of My Pillow towels for up to 70% off. Use promo code STAKE at checkout for up to 66% off and more. Over 600 My Pillow products. MyPillow.com forward slash steak or via the telephone. Talk to a pillow representative at 1 800 658 45. The top tier of ear gear sits on Noah's head right now, and it's from odyssey.com. Whether you're uh, gaming, potting, a ghetto superstar, regardless, take care of your ears, treat them right. They're on Facebook, they're on Instagram. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL, he's got a five star rating. Newly redesigned website at uh, westcoastsurvivalarms.com. Go get your uh, shooty shoots taken care of. He's got ammo as well. Via the telephone at 619-870-6992 or on Facebook Messenger. First responders working hard to start the new year. A lot of uh, Ligmacron variant going around. The Magicron. Yeah. All of our friends who uh, are first responders wear mediocre medic off-duty. T-shirts, sweatshirts, fanny packs, flip-flops, and more at MediocreMedic.com. You got stickers and patches for all of your on-duty gear. Find them on Instagram as well. And then if you don't know what the Zero Fucks Duck is all about, go ask Mark. Dumpbox.us. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook as well. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our Telegram, and more. And on that note... Welcome, Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 97. I'm Roan, Noah's here, Yo, Antoinette's joined us, 
Hello, hello, guys. We've already got our guest host with us that we're going to introduce in a minute. We have Mostly Peaceful Memes, that Southern dude, and Pennsylvania One candidate, Bradley Lanning, coming up on the back half of the show. Mike Crispy's going to join us in a little bit. And joining us today to do the front half of the news, she is a uh, podcast host, Rapid Fire. She covers protests, also does a little bit of political commentary. She's kind of fire, slightly offensive TVs. Savannah Hernandez, thanks for joining us today. Noah, Roan, Antoinette, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, as well as I can be in, uh, you know, society today, we're seven days into 2022. I'm already exhausted with the news. And uh, I mean, we all had to live through the media's coverage January 6th. So self-explanatory there, really. Oh, that's perfect. We brought you on to do our January 6th coverage today. So we can actually give our uh, listening audience and then forever of yours who will be listening to ours, uh, your take on it as well. Since yesterday we saw a whole bunch of... Uh, I'm just like, are we still talking about this? Yeah, theatrical bullshit. Well, the, thing? Ca- the cast of Hamilton sung it best, I think. Ugh. Yeah, it was pretty awful. Um, Savannah, before we jump into this, why don't you tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself, your podcast, kind of what you do. Uh, you know, we've been following you for a while. I, I love the work you do. I like your political commentary. That's why we uh, extended an invite to have you on the show. But uh, why don't you let our listening audience know what's going on in your neck of the woods? Thank you guys so much. Uh, basically, I got my start in politics back in 2018. I really had no idea about politics as a whole. And so I went and started doing man on the street type work because I wanted people who hated Donald Trump to change my mind. Basically, they couldn't. And I realized that there's a bunch of ravaged liberals who have no idea why they're upset on our streets. And, uh, you know, that was a big thing during Trump's presidency. And uh, after that, You know, fast forward to 2020, I started covering the Black Lives Matter riots. I started working with Elijah Schaefer, um, his producer on Slightly Offensive and co-host. And um, yeah, it was just a lot of uh, political commentary, political coverage. I've been out on the streets. I covered the BLM riots. I was there on January 6th. I was basically doing a lot of the news and reporting that the mainstream refused to touch. And um, back when I was on Twitter and I was reporting on the street, it was the Black Lives Matter riots that really propelled my career because so many people were hungry for what was actually going on on our streets. They wanted to see what was actually happening because he had CNN on the street going, oh yeah, this is a mostly peaceful protest while there's (laughs) a building burning in the background. And to January 6th, as somebody who attended both BLM riots and January 6th, it's such a crock of shit, part of my French, that we had our entire freaking Congress up in front of us, the president of the United States and the vice president trying to grandstand and tell us that January 6th was the worst thing that ever happened comparable to 9-11 and Pearl Harbor. Give me a freaking break. This administration is so weak and pathetic, as is our media, and that's why our country is where it currently is today. So uh, yesterday was pathetic. The, the the comparison of even January 6th to the BLM riots, you can't equate the two because BLM terrorized our entire country for months. They beat people up in the streets. They killed people. They destroyed small businesses, arson, looting. Take your pick. You want to compare one day of angry Americans to months of domestic terrorists on our streets burning down our country? I don't think so. And none of those people are in custody right now. No, they sure exactly. Aren't. That includes Ray Epps and all of his friends. And we'll get to all that in a minute. We're going to listen to some audio clips and then do some commentary on some of the stuff that we saw leading up to yesterday and then through it and, and kind of like, you know, paint and then deconstruct a picture and narrative for our listenership to kind of better get a grasp on, you know, exactly what we saw. And, and it, that's really the big biggest part of the big lie that they all talk about. It's creating these fake narratives, the impeachments, the Spygate, the Russia hoaxes, the Ukraine hoaxes. And they well, say it's disrespectful they, to 
everybody who lost their lives in any of those other yeah. tragic events Big that time. they tried to compare it to. That's just disrespectful on a level I'd never thought I'd see. And, and the complacency and coordination that they have with the legacy media right now is just at an all-time high, and they're getting a platform to continue to program people who are just casual politics followers. You know, hopefully we continue to wake more and more of them up, and at the same time, you know, it's really sad to see that they get to uh, amplify that fake narrative and, and, and it becomes reality because they say it enough times. So Well, it works on people, too. I mean, I was on social media uh, last night or maybe early this morning, and, you know, I actually saw somebody posting, like, y'all need to get vaccinated because, you know, I'm tired of seeing these cases. And I'm like, it, you haven't no. figured out yet that it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated. You're still going to get it. Like. No. Get it good. Don't you guys love the politicians who say, look, guys, I'm triple vaccinated and I just got COVID. This is your reminder that everyone needs to get vaccinated. And you're just like, I know. Wait, what? Oh, oh, you also read Lloyd Austin's brief to the military after he announced that he had COVID and said everybody needs to get it. Good old Darth Our military is such a joke, too, dude. I am so concerned about the state of our entire country. I mean, remember how everyone called us a laughingstock under Donald Trump yeah. and how we were weak and that, you know, <laughs> the world was looking at us as a weak and laugh, laughable country. That's actually what we are now. It's very sad to see. Yeah, right? we had we had uh, Casey Warninsky on last episode who was Trump's um, – he was the uh, reserves appointee. He was in charge of the reserves for the army and uh, he, he broke it down. You know, he said it's a combination between, you know, all this woke crap that people like General Milley and, and all those people are, are implementing combined with the fact that, you know, they're just been treated so crappy and, and like babies since this whole COVID thing started. He said the military is in bad shape right now and you can't get much more of an expert than, you know, someone who served under the last administration really who had his finger on the pulse of the reserve units for the for the country it's just oh you want to talk about here you want to talk about morale or just you know like so the reserve forces you know being in the reserves like you almost have to like try to stay in the military when you're in the reserves there's like everything that happens you have to like constantly be updating stuff you got to be like constantly sending in training you got to be doing this this and this it's like basically the the military is sitting there looking for any possible reason they can kick you out the entire time but now, and especially like, with this vaccine mandate too. Sorry to cut you off oh here. No. My little sister's in the reserves as well. And uh, it's been really sad to see her go through this entire process of getting kicked out of the reserves because she refuses to get vaccinated. And then also have to sit through inclusivity and diversity training classes. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, and then people, yeah, exactly. So you, you're already dealing with all the other bullshit that you have to deal with. And then on top of that, mm-hmm. you just have this thing looming above you. And they still want you to be like, oh yeah, you gotta, you know show up and do your thing and is everything okay? How how you doing? Yeah, hurry up. You might get fired, but hurry up. Yeah. Hurry up, hurry up and <laughs> hurry up and get fired. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, kind of the state we're living in now. It, it, I'm really thankful for, you know, shows like Savannah's and then the work we try and do here as, as kind of just trying to shed a little bit of light on what the actual news and, and, and truthful narrative is. And, uh, you know, let's kind of jump into it. Now we have the, uh, LOL, we're one day out of the first anniversary of the greatest oh. insurrection that ever happened in the history of the universe. Uh, went off without a hitch yesterday. Everything from candlelit memorials and, you know, uh, Congress people walking through the halls with the uh, horned hats on all the way down <laughs> to uh, Zoom theatrical performance from the cast of Hamilton singing about how it was worse than a million 9-11s and uh. a billion Pearl Harbors combined. 
My favorite's like people are reposting the Norm Macdonald uh, tweet where it says, I loved when the violent terrorists made sure to respect the uh, velvet ropes in Statuary Hall. And then clean up the trash on their way out. <laughs> I couldn't even watch it much. It's amazing. Anyway, but it was difficult. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about you guys, but my PTSD was definitely triggered as a media member that was there. I just experienced so much PTSD, especially, you know, that picture of that grandma just walking through the Capitol just struck so much fear into my heart. It's a, It was a hard day for me yesterday. I'm not going to lie just because of all of the uh, just terror that I lived through on that day. Yeah, yeah you see, you must, like you must have been extremely sitting, sitting next to AOC. <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was just it was so horrific watching people standing there peacefully waving American flags. But we all know that, uh, you know, your average uh, Democrat in Congress hates patriotism. So it probably was very terrifying for them. I'm sure it was a meme where AOC was uh, placing flowers on her own grave. Yeah, (laughs) I was murdered. That's for for, Reno 911. That's great. So, all right, let's kind of paint a picture walking into this. So a day and a half ago, Jen Psaki at her presser, um, instead of answering any questions about any of the truth behind January 6th or anything that the media was going to ask her, took her time to uh, fill the narrative with blaming Donald Trump, which is kind of seen to be, you know, what the norm is for the legacy media. Let's hear how she kind of weighed in and, and was asked about it. Uh, tomorrow the president is going to speak uh, on Capitol Hill. Is he going to address his predecessor's role in the riot? Uh, yes. And let me give you a little more preview of that. Um, so um, in addition, and I know I noted this yesterday, but I think it's important for people to let me briefly reiterate. Um, the president is going to speak to the truth of what happened, not the lies that some have spread since, and the peril opposed to the rule of law and our system of democratic governance. He will also speak to the work we still need to do to secure and strengthen our democracy and our institutions to reject the hatred and lies we saw on January 6th and to unite our country. Uh, I'd also note that um, President Biden has been uh, clear-eyed about the threat the former president represents to our democracy and how, how the former president constantly works to undermine basic American values and rule of law. And President Biden has, of course, spoken repeatedly about how the former president abused his office, undermined the Constitution, mm. and ignored his oath to the American people in an effort to amass more power for himself and his allies. Huh? Uh, he sees January 6th as a tragic culmination of what those four years under President Trump did to our country. And they reflected the importance uh, to the president of winning uh, what he has called many times, and you've heard him call many times, the soul, the battle for the soul of our nation. So just as you heard him say on January 6th of last year, I would expect that President Biden will lay out the significance of what happened at the Capitol and the singular responsibility President Trump has for the chaos and carnage that we saw. And he will forcibly push back on the lies spread by the former president in an attempt to mislead the American people and his own supporters, as well as distract from his role and what happened. So uh, he will, of course, speak to the moment, uh, to the importance uh, in history of the peaceful transfer of power, of what we need to do to protect our own democracy and be forward looking. But he will also reflect on the role his predecessor had. Now, Savannah, you, you, you hear a lot of truth in there, don't you? <laughs> oh, good mm. Lord. Yeah. You know, we, we know that um, there's important news that we should actually be focused in on when the Biden administration is trying to keep us all distracted with Donald Trump once again. Why why are we still talking about Donald Trump? This is the Biden administration. What are we doing here? Well, that's a, that's their their go to. They either bring up Donald Trump and blame him for things that is legitimately impossible for him to be blamed for or mm-hmm. whoever is under the radar or the microscope for fucking up the current government 
gets COVID. Mm. That's that's been the go to since <laughs> day one. <laughs> and they've they're running out of people to get COVID. I mean, I know that they kind of have Fauci kind of skewing the narrative right now. It's like, oh, these things now they can avoid vaccines and even natural immunity. <laughs> but you know, now they have it to where you can get oh, got it again. Sorry. I know I left all those people in Afghanistan to die and ninety billion dollars worth of equipment, but I've got COVID, so I'm gonna go out of the news for two weeks. Please don't bother me. You know, and it seems it seems like to be their easiest go to right now when it comes to, uh, you know, talking about how bad they are and uh, the fact that they don't do any of that. I saw the uh, jobs report press conference before we started our show today. I had to sit through about four minutes of Joe Biden rambling, talking about how this is the best economy ever. Uh, creation of six million jobs, blah, blah, blah. Take into a fact we broke down last week on our show. If you go through like the. uh August, September, October, November, jobs reports of people who walked away from full-time jobs or jobs where you worked enough hours to garner full-time benefits and the people who were allowed to go back to work because their businesses were closed because of COVID, it only equals 6 million. And now you have, you know, since August, 10 million people walking away from jobs like that. So he's at negative 4 million jobs. If you want to give him the benefit of the doubt just from the start of his administration in January, and that's not even considering a whole bunch of different other factors that probably a math wizard would have a little bit better time at getting to, but I'm just saying just off the numbers that they've produced and the numbers that Joe Biden's saying that created, they're at negative 4 million jobs. So I don't know how this is the best economy ever. I know that I went to Walmart yesterday and there was like four aisles in a row of, you know, like uh, beer pong red cups, the entire aisle, both sides, top to bottom. Oh, just because they were using it to fill space. Yeah. yeah okay. And paper plates and napkins. There's no. Well, it is barbecue season. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> it's the middle of the winter. But yeah, that's kind of, uh, you know, been their go-to uh, since day one. And, and, and in this next clip here, Merrick Garland, another completely empty suit who's ill-equipped or not equipped 100% to do his job. What we've called on this show is a revenge hire for not getting his Supreme Court nomination during the Obama administration. And since he's done it, he's either ignorantly or purposely weaponized the FBI and DOJ and just allowed them to do whatever the hell they want across the country and to American citizens. Um, Talked about how he wanted to hold anyone accountable, even though an overwhelming majority of these people haven't even been charged yet for, for the super bad insurrections that they did on January 6th of last year. Tomorrow will mark the first anniversary of January 6, 2021, the day the United States Capitol was attacked while lawmakers met to affirm the results of a presidential election. Those involved must be held accountable. When? And there is no higher priority for us at the Department of Justice. As of today, we have arrested and charged more than 725 defendants in nearly all 50 states and the District of Columbia for their roles in the January 6th attack. The actions we have taken thus far will not be our last. The Justice Department remains committed to holding all January 6th perpetrators at any level accountable under law, whether they were present that day or were otherwise criminally responsible for the assault on our democracy. We will follow the facts wherever they lead. We understand that there are questions about how long the investigation will take and about what exactly we are doing. Our answer is, and will continue to be, 
the same answer we would give to, with respect to any ongoing investigation. As long as it takes and whatever it takes. Well, sound, sounds really great to hear. Mm. So, yeah, basically anyone who walked in the vicinity of, of the Capitol last year now has the same kind of treatment, minus the million-dollar lawyers and the beautiful soccer stadium that Gitmo detainees have. Wow. Yeah. So it, it's just an absolute embarrassment, and, and so is Merrick Garland. Um, the narrative they were kind of painting, and that's just going into it, and that's from the usual suspects. There's there's a little bit more, and something that was eye-opening got blown up even more last night, but one of the places you wouldn't have expected to, uh, you know, have heard this narrative being, you know, parroted on the media was when uh, the Zodiac himself kind of weighed in on Ooh, yeah. the, the worst insurrections of insurrections. Let's hear what he had to say briefly for being here. Thank you, Madam Chair. Chief, welcome. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Uh, and I want to start by, by thanking the heroic service of the men and women who, who serve alongside you. Uh, we are approaching a solemn anniversary this week. Oh! Uh, and it is an anniversary of a violent terrorist attack on the oh! Capitol where we saw the men and women of law enforcement demonstrate incredible courage incredible bravery, uh, risk their lives uh, to defend the men and women who serve in this capital. We are grateful for that courage. We appreciate uh, the selfless sacrifice uh, of the men and women who, who keep us safe. And, and I will say... All right, that's enough mm. of that. Very strange. Ted Cruz is definitely trying to make a push back to, like, the middle of the road. You know, he, he was able to... Uh, take the first year and a half off of the Trump presidency. Then he knew when they lost, you know, control of the House and Senate that it was time to get back to maybe a little bit more conservative because he was running in his own election and, you know, polling really bad up against an awful candidate in Beto O'Rourke. And uh, now that the, the the field has cleared itself and he, he thinks he's distanced himself a little bit from Donald Trump and, uh, you know, things like whatever happened at the Capitol last year, Ted Cruz thinks that he could just go and walk right back down as a, you know, a moderate conservative again. And it's just that I've never seen more of a negative response for for just a, a, a politician than I saw after that across social medias on several of the news shows. Tucker took him to task last night. We'll get to that in a little bit. Tucker spanked him. Savannah, did that, did that surprise you at all? Or did you just say like, you know, Ted Cruz has been playing a role for the last maybe two years and now he's getting back into, I want to run for president mode again. So this is what he's going to do. Yeah, I wasn't surprised in the slightest because it was actually last year and this really signaled to me who Ted Cruz really was. Yeah. He put this graphic up on his Twitter and he said, we should end mask mandates on planes, but only for the vaccinated. And so whenever he put that on initially, it signaled to me that he was a weak Republican and he was a part of the spineless GOP base. And, you know, we always say we need these strong America first candidates. And this is why we say that the GOP is weak and we are constantly seeing all these Senate hearings where nothing gets done with big tech or any other issue in our society because of people in office like Ted Cruz, who will talk a big game and that. But when push comes to shove and it comes time to stand up, for his constituents and fellow Americans, they're terrorists all of a sudden. So I'm not surprised by it. And uh, many people keep saying too, you know, Republicans don't have the base for purity tests, blah, blah, blah. Ted Cruz said something bad, but he backtracked. And it's like, no, we need to hold these types of politicians accountable. I, again, I'm a Texan seeing one of my own 
representatives talking this way is abhorrent to me. And it makes me sad. This isn't the spirit of Texas. And we only want America first strong candidates in 2022 and 2024. No more spineless GOP. Yeah, 100 percent there. I agree with that one. And I think, uh, you know, he had such a good run, too. He had had dunk fest after dunk fest in some of these congressional committee hearings where they had taken Austin, Millie, Merrick Garland and uh, Alejandro Mayorkas to task, which kind of doesn't do anything. We know that those those congressional hearings go down. Then everybody goes back to work the next day. There's not a consequence for that. But it definitely sets like a verbal precedence going into the midterms of like, this is how we feel. This is what we're going to investigate when we hopefully mm-hmm. have this huge red wave next year. Then even the stuff with AOC in Florida last week, you had all the memes of her, hmm. which were like reposted, but of, uh, you know, Ted Cruz with AOC's head on it, walking through the airport <laughs> with her little rolly bag going to Florida. He had seemed to build up like a really good, you know, force field around him of, okay, maybe this guy is going to kind of just continue to push for like what's actually right instead of what benefits himself. And then you see him make that comment and it was just really disparaging to hear, yeah, but where, where, where not do surprising they come at from? all. It's so wild. Like, well, I mean, that's, that's who Ted Cruz was before the Trump presidency. And that's yeah. who, who Ted Cruz was whenever he gets pressed with anything that really could make him look negative. Cause he just wants to be liked. You know, he, he does funny stuff. He makes memes. He goes on shows like Steven Crowder. So he could try to identify with like the normies and the NPCs. But at the end of the day, if you're not going to be doing the stuff you're doing now, when the entire country is getting burned down from, you know, the Southern border to the economy, to international stuff, all the way up through crap, like happened yesterday with January 6th. And it's just not going to be able to uh, fly anymore. It's, that that whole party is 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 going to get reworked and revamped at the midterms, and it, whether they like it or not. Now, you know, I, I definitely think the amount of people have running and the momentum that they're getting is uh, really starting to make them all kind of scared. And you're going to start seeing the same kind of stuff from Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell and a lot of those DC Beltway establishment rhinos now moving forward. I think that's my prediction. Um, the best worst vice president ever. Uh, she weighed in on the anniversary of the worst insurrection in the history of the galaxy uh, and compared it to several things that we've already touched on. Let's hear her briefly talk about some of those uh, dates. Fellow Americans, good morning. Certain dates echo throughout history, including dates that instantly remind all who have lived through them where they were and what they were doing. When our democracy came under assault. Is that a new accent? Dates that occupy not only a place on our calendars, caring, yeah. but a place in our collective memory. Is she Puerto Rican now? December 7th, 1941. Seriously. September 11th, 2001. Wow. And January 6th, 2021. I hope they play all of these videos and and clips that we play on our show during both of their impeachment trials. It's awful. (laughs) After the midterm elections next year, because this is just absolutely maddening. Savannah, we touched on it a little bit. What do you think when you hear stuff like how how you were there, you were on the ground. Mm -hmm. Apparently, you must still be under the radar because what we've heard from Merrick Garland, apparently he doesn't matter how long it takes if anybody was in, you know, Anywhere near it, they're going to get investigated to the fullest extent. And when you hear her compare it to, you know, uh, some of the biggest events, one that obviously vaulted us into World War II, and then another one where thousands of of Americans, especially first responders, died at the uh, unmerciful attacks that were from, uh, you know, radical Islamist terrorists on on 9-11. How does that make you feel? 
It makes me feel sad, but it's not surprising in the slightest because this is the type of rhetoric that we would expect from this administration. When Kamala Harris came out and said this, I was like, I mean, I'm going to pretend to be shocked about this. This is exactly what we expected. Uh, But more importantly, I want to talk to you a little bit about why uh, big tech censorship is such a big issue we yes. need to be focused in on. So for example, uh, when January 6th happened, I put all the footage on my Instagram of what happened that day, because remember that the media is painting these people out as terrorists, insurrectionists who are trying to murder all of our congressmen and women. And, you know, we're uh, basically, again, worse than 9-11, worse than any other historic event that we've ever seen. So on Instagram, the only videos that were taken down from my page were the videos of these protesters being peaceful and they were taken down for inciting violence and for, you know, pushing a dangerous narrative. Right. Mm. So all of those videos were taken down. All of the videos showing actual violence, you know, fights with cops, blah, 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 people getting tear gas. All of that is still up. And so I just want to highlight the example of how we have Kamala Harris here trying to rewrite history before our very eyes, make these types of comparisons. We have big tech deleting the footage of what actually happened that day. You have the entire media trying to paint these people as the worst people in American history that all deserve to be politically persecuted by our corrupt DOJ. So when we look, you know, maybe 10, 20 years from now, how are our children going to be taught about January 6th, about Donald Trump, about all of his supporters? This is the modern day erasure of our history and of what actually happened, of our reality. It's absolutely insane to me. So not surprising that Kamala said this, but I do want people to understand the dangerous repercussions of this type of comparison and this type of rhetoric. And again, this false narrative that the Democrats and media continue to push. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you can't say it any simpler than that. And it's so dangerous and, and, and scary. And if you don't think, you know, just look at how they've tried to educate all the children who are in school now about like all of this critical race theory crap mm-hmm. and they change the pronouns of whatever it's called. And then, you know, they kick parents out of meetings. They say they're getting rid of it and then just slide Parent, it in there. Parents don't have any right to have anything to say about what their children are being taught. Yeah. It's yeah. just, mm-hmm. it's, it's just ridiculous. You definitely going to see the same thing, you know, and if you want to just look at it on a broader scale and talk about some of those dates that, you know, the president or the vice president, I'm sorry, well, who knows what the fuck she is at this point. All I do know <laughs> is that Kamal Harris would probably have a promising career as a senior editor at the New York Times if she does get impeached after next year. Because as far as making up dates and rewriting history by just throwing shit at the wall, she's perfect for the job. Excellent audition for her. Um, look, at they teach 9-11 differently now, you know, when it comes to like who is behind it and why. You know, the whole uh, theory of terrorists are like it's like um, you can't say radical Islamic terrorism or terrorists. Right. Like they ch- totally changed everything. You can't teach who did. Wait, so it wasn't terrorists. Well, you can't teach who did 9-11 <laughs> and critical race theory at the same time. Or, or, yeah. or if you do, you have to find out why those terrorists were so mad that they decided to do stuff like that. Was it white rage? Probably. You have to ask General Milley on that one. Yeah. Unfortunately, next, Joe Biden took to the uh, podium. <laughs> they had to direct him back a couple times. Uh, Did he get lost? Shortness of breath and probably a cough or two. He kind of went and carried on the same narrative that Jen Psaki gave in her press conference the day before, and that was talking about how everything that's happened from January 6th all the way up through now and everything that's wrong with the government has to be Donald Trump's fault because he wouldn't accept the 2020 presidential election. Let's hear it. We must be absolutely clear about what is true and what is a lie. 
And here's the truth. The former President of the United States of America has created and spread a web of lies about the 2020 election. He's done so because he values power over principle, because he sees his own interest as more important than his country's interest, than America's interest, and because his bruised ego matters more to him than our democracy or our Constitution. He can't accept he lost, even though that's what 93 United States senators, his own attorney general, his own vice president, governors and state officials in every battleground state have all said he lost. That's what 81 million of you did as you voted for a new way forward. <laughs> he has done what no president in American history, the history of this country has ever, ever done. He refused to accept the results of an election and the will of the American people. False across the board. Hey, just so everybody understands this, and for those of you that don't go out and do your own research like we always suggest you do at the end of every show, you guys do know that one of the senior chairs on this January 6th insurrection panel refused electoral votes in the 2005 presidential election. You also have people on there that refused to accept the votes from a state that Donald Trump won by like 45% in 2016 sitting on this mm. panel of insurrectionists, finder outers, whatever you want to, I don't know, whatever. Our Nancy, own vice president, Kamala Harris, was one of those people who said that Trump was an illegitimate president. She sure did. Right. And that, but that, that video when you say that about Joe Biden, exactly. You say it about Joe Biden. It's like, oh, you're an insurrectionist. This is the worst thing. Also, I think that's about the third time I've listened to that clip about Joe Biden. And uh, it killed my last brain cell. So I, <laughs> there we go. Well, I don't know if you saw it last night in, in our last audio clip of this segment. Uh, Ted Cruz went and tried to accept responsibility for being a complete fucking idiot the other day when he was up on Capitol Hill and, and had to sit through almost seven minutes of getting grilled by our favorite paid op, Tucker Carlson. And, uh, you know, Tucker kind of took him to task. I thought it was going to be one of those things where they would go back and forth. You know, I listened to the entire interview maybe like four or five times just so I could kind of get the context of it. Tucker was getting pissed off a little bit, and he, he kept cutting him off and be like, no— you're lying. I almost had to, like, you know, screw down his toupee and, like, really get in there. And, and he pushed him on everything from, like, you know, the weaponization of the DOJ and who is Ray Epps all the way up through why the hell did you say those exact words and call people who were peacefully protesting a rigged and stolen election terrorist? Because you're a constitutional lawyer and you need to, uh, you know, be smarter than that because you are smarter than that. So let, let, let's hear him kind of weigh in in a short clip here. You called this a terror attack when by no definition was it a terror attack. That's a lie. You told that lie on purpose, and I'm wondering why you did. Well, Tucker, thank you for having me on. When you aired your episode last night, I, I sent you a text shortly thereafter and said, listen, I'd like to go on because the way I phrased things yesterday, it, it was sloppy and, and it was frankly dumb. And, I don't and buy that. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, I don't whoa. buy that. For, look, I've known you a long time since before you went to the Senate. You were a Supreme Court contender. You take words as seriously as any man who's ever served in the Senate. And every word you repeated that phrase, I do not believe that you use that accidentally. I just don't. It well, I mean, I, I mean, it's good that somebody with a voice could take him to task. I mean, there, there are a lot more qualified and probably knowledgeable people than Tucker Carlson to go out and kind of take Ted Cruz to cat, cat task. But he's not going to always want to go and put himself in those situations because of the safety zone he likes to play in. And, uh, 
the reputation he's now trying to save after he made those comments. You know, it goes right up there. Donald Trump can't go around pushing vaccines and boosters and stuff like that if he wants to, you know, keep all of his base happy all the time. Sometimes he has to do it because of Operation Warp Speed, and he doesn't want to disenfranchise a lot of the older people that voted for him. You know, when, when the vaccines first came out before everybody tried to mandate him and weaponize him, like we've heard Peter Navarro talk about on this show. And at the same time, Ted Cruz can't do the same thing. He can't say he's, you know, make memes of being the Zodiac killer and, and, and have all these, you know, top-tier shittages on people from the Biden administration and senatorial hearings and then go out and call all the people that want to vote the fix into Washington, D.C. next year terrorists. And, and they would go on to be, and he's like, oh, Tucker, I've called... Anybody that hits a cop for years is a terrorist. He's like, yeah, well, you can't use language like that. He's like, you wouldn't use that language in court. You shouldn't be using it to make, like, talking points. And you could see Ted Cruz was kind of embarrassed. I don't know. Savannah, I'm sure you saw that whole clip last night. And what did you think of it? Oh, I watched it in its entirety. I think it's about a seven-minute clip. And, yeah, Ted Cruz gets completely annihilated, Mm -hmm. as he should have been. And I'm glad to see that Tucker Carlson is still one of the last people who does real journalism. He's willing to ask the hard questions. Even though Ted Cruz is on his same side, if you will, he's willing to actually go out and ask Ted, like, hey, you know what? You didn't make the base happy. This is why you're getting the pushback against it. And I'm not going to let you tiptoe around oh well it was just a slip of the tongue now tucker carlson is i feel like the model for how every single journalist in this country should be and if we had real journalists like that who were willing to ask these politicians and all of these corrupt leaders and media talking heads these real questions our country would look drastically different so big props to tucker carlson for that one to ted cruz you said what you said don't backtrack on it we know how you really feel and again you've had a past of being weak on many of these issues And one of my biggest beefs is, for example, we always see those viral uh, clips from all of these Senate hearings. But what is actually ever done outside of those Senate hearings? So. No, I completely agree with you. And we've talked about it on the show. Like, it's great to see the dunk fest, but the next day they all get to go to work and it's like it never happened. Now, Mm -hmm. I I hopefully think we are kind of making some talking points and focusing on some of the things that I'd like to see investigated next year. You know, Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene. I didn't really have anything from them. There was a clip from War Room. It was kind of, you know, just commentary. So it really wasn't like news newsworthy. But what was newsworthy is that they were two of the only elected officials who went out uh, and put their reputation on the line pretty much from day one, but especially yesterday and gave like these little press conferences in front of the Capitol. They went on War Room with Bannon and talked about it and really said how this whole thing is bullshit. And, and you know, Matt Gates wants to get this thing disbanded. We've talked about the last couple of weeks, the way that he's matured over the last year. And, uh, you know, after Trump didn't get over the finish line in 2020, after that debacle of an election, you know, Matt Gates really not had the opportunity to skate maybe as much as he has. And he's had to really come in and, and kind of toe the line for the party in the House. And I think he's done a, a really good job. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the same thing. You know, she, she's mm-hmm. very uh, strong in some of the things that she does. And she knows how to really get out there and get the people motivated. And it was good to see them go out there and, and try to smash to the best of their ability this whole narrative yesterday. 100%. Yeah, well, we're getting ready to bring in Mike Crispy right now, so we're going to segue to that. All right, joining us first today on this Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast podcast, he is Right Side Broadcasting Network's host of Red, White, and Truth, and now newly announced House candidate running in New Jersey for Mr. Mike Crispy. Thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Gentlemen, always an honor. It's great to be back with you in this new capacity. It's exciting times, but... Great to be back with old friends. So this is awesome. 
Yeah, well, it's great to have you back. Um, how's everything going with the announcement here? Well, I, I will say we announced uh, on Monday, and it's been pretty incredible. I mean, we already uh, you know jumped up. You know, there's some other primary challengers and all that, but we jumped up ahead, getting some really good media and press coverage. Uh, really liking uh, you know the way that the public has reacted to this because in the MAGA world. You know, I, I think the energy and the base is fired up. You know, we're having a great initial fundraising hall. Um, obviously, Roger Stone, who is a, uh, you know, who is a uh, uh, main figure in this campaign, leading the charge. We're organizing some really strong endorsements from some great America First folks, uh, both who served in the White House and who have played, you know, key roles in, you know, in our movement over the last number of years. So we're just working very, very hard. Uh, we're going to get some great support. And we are challenging a rhino uh, who is in a Trump plus 22 district and Trump wants him out. So I think a perfect storm is brewing and we're going to fight really hard to raise the funds, to mount the challenge, to reach everybody who's important at the grassroots level and kick this rhino who's been in Congress for 41 years out of office. Uh, that just seems like uh, well past his time to be gone, to say the least. Yeah, I don't know how you could do anything for for for. I I don't know how you could do anything for for ten years in a row, much less forty one. Think about it, the exact same job. He isn't on any committees. He isn't leading anything. You've been in Congress for forty two years. You're not the speaker. You know, you're not anything. He's he's a backbench rhino who sold out to all of the uh, PACs and special interests that are giving him money. He has no grassroots support. He's lived in Herndon, Virginia hmm. since 1983, um, you know, after he got elected in 81. So he doesn't even know the people of New Jersey <laughs> and everybody at the grassroots is looking for a change. And we think where you have that campaign lined up. I like it. All right. Let's talk about the people there. Then what's the district look like? You said it was heavily plus Trump in the 2020 presidential elections. What's the reception been like since you made the big announcement? Well, the reception has been great. I mean, people, uh, you know, the district is, uh, and believe it or not, you know, in New Jersey, there are pockets of deep red areas. And, you know, this district is the most conservative congressional district in the Northeast United States um, after the redistricting. It is Trump plus 22. Mm. Um, so before redistricting, it was Trump 11. Uh, now it's Trump plus 22. Uh, the electorate is uh, is comprised mainly of uh, great working class Italians, which, you know, I am one of them. Also, uh, one of them. So it's a it's a really nice mesh of great people. Uh, and they have no idea who Congressman Chris Smith is. And uh, many of them obviously, uh, you know, support, you know, they've watched right side broadcasting. They've seen the broadcast. They obviously watch all of President Trump stuff. And and they're tuned in to, you know, his challenge to boot rhinos. So, you know, I think, you know, between the uh, lack of name ID with Chris Smith and with the high visibility we're going to bring to the district with, you know, having Roger running the show and some great other America first Patriots we're going to bring into New Jersey uh, over the course of the next couple months. We think we're in a really exciting position for this. It sounds like a perfect combination to help make NJ four great again. If you ask me now, we we've got one of your uh, great friends. She's joined us today to, uh, do the first portion of the news with us, Savannah Hernandez from Rapid Fire Pod. And uh, I'm sure she has some hard-hitting questions that she wants to bounce off you right now when it comes to uh, your candidacy. Savannah, what, what, what do you think when, uh, you know, Mike's announced his house run here and uh, you know him, we know him, we're all, we're all friends with him off of the air, and I've been friends with him for quite some time now. What do you, what do you think some of the things are that uh, you'd want to ask and maybe your listening audience might be interested to hear when you, when you hear about someone 
as patriotic with a big voice as Mike jumping in the ring here for a house seat. Definitely. First off, I'd like to say congratulations, Mike. You and I have been good friends for quite a while now. You've had me on your show, and I'm so excited to hear that you're running, that you're actually getting in the ring, because that is something that a lot of Americans need to do. You know, everyone's a political commentator nowadays, but no one's willing to actually get into the ring and fight for their constituents, fight for their state, fight for their city. So I would just say, Mike, really like at the forefront of things, what is going to be one of the biggest issues that you tackle and that you want to get under control in your area? Well, it's a great question. And first of all, Savannah Hernandez, I, I'd say we have my two favorite uh, podcast uh, groups on with me right now. So incredible. Um, so Savannah, I appreciate that. Biggest things I'm looking to tackle. One is election integrity, right? You need to embrace that because if you don't start with that, you don't have a country. Nobody has a confidence in the vote that they're casting. So number one thing, I'm not running away from it. We need to embrace that because when you talk at the grassroots level, two thirds in polling in my district that I'm running in two thirds of the people support President Trump and agree about election uh, fraud and a dishonest practices when it comes to uh, the elections. We saw what happened in New Jersey in the past election cycle. So people are keen to that. That's number one. Uh, number two is, you know, you look at uh, what's going on. My opponent uh, voted for the January 6th commission, right? Oof. A unnecessary continuation of a highly partisan witch hunt. So anybody who gives any validity to the radical left and what they're doing, they cannot be trusted. And additionally, the man votes over 45% of the time with Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats. How can you be in a Trump plus 22 district and be voting so vigorously and I guess excitingly for those policies? Uh, anti-Second Amendment, he's anti-Second Amendment, does not believe in concealed carry, which is absurd to me. Um, and he voted for the vaccine database, which 80 House Republicans voted for, which is an utter disgrace. And Rhino Dan Crenshaw uh, tried to defend it uh, on behalf of the Republicans, interesting spokesperson, spokesperson they chose. But we're not going to stand for these things. You know, we really need to uh, embrace America first boldly, um, especially in these districts where it is our people, right? I mean, we need strong voices where the strong voices can flourish. And that's what I'm looking to do, Savannah. And I guess that's more than three, but that's just how excited I am. I can keep going on and on for days. No, Mike, I like great it. energy, Mike. I love it. Yeah, definitely, definitely some good stuff there. I'm going to follow up on that and, and and take it a step further. Now, you know, addressing the things in your district does go hand in hand with addressing some of the things that are important nationally. Definitely, election integrity, things like the January 6th committee. I'm going to kind of go down that thread. There's a lot of, uh, you know, committees. Uh, threats of impeachment, stuff we've seen coming out of the Beltway lately. Historically, especially you want to just take it back the last five or six years through the Trump presidency and stuff like that. You 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 would hear things like, oh, we're going to set up a committee, oh, we're going to do impeachment, and then it just turns out to be big nothing burger. What's the difference between this crop of young America First conservatives, a lot of the ones that we've had on our show, you've had on yours as well, and uh, – you know, between now and in the past where when you guys are saying these things, Dr. Fauci is going to be investigated. The 2020 presidential election is going to be looked into. You know, Joe Biden's going to be set up for impeachment, maybe Kamal Harris as well for their negligence and all the things they've done to uh, compromise the security of this country. Moving forward, that you think makes a difference when you see people like yourself, Sabatini, Joe Kent, Mike Collins, et cetera, getting in there really becoming a national force and all kind of like bonding together to make sure that these promises are kept this time and you guys get to Washington and control the House and Senate? Well, well I, I think, you know, you talk about the difference. I mean, 
that's the that's the effect of, you know, President Trump and the effect that he still has uh, on the party. You know, he has, I think, and I've said this on the air on my show and on RSBN and Trump rallies. I think uh, that the greatest thing that Trump will ever be remembered for uh, in the history books is that he woke up the masses. Right. I mean, people were a, a small substrata of people were voting for Republicans or Democrats, but they never really looked beneath the surface. They checked R. They checked D. You know, Trump literally from school boards on up, town councils, assemblies, uh, you know, mayors, all that stuff. You know, Trump basically uh, uncovered the fact that people are duplicitous. Right. And he kind of shined the light on that. And a lot of politicians obviously don't like that. And they're called the swamp. So the days of the swamp are numbered and the days of people coming in to fill that void that the people want. They want somebody who's not going to be member of the swamp in it for 20 years, getting paid off by this group and that group. And it's all public record, but nobody bothered to look it up. They want people who are going to fight for them boldly and care more about the principles than maintaining their position. And I think you look at Smith, he's the poster boy of maintaining his position, doing the same thing for 42 years. It's absurd. So I think that's what the new candidates have. And they've been running for a while, you know, and they've they've been inspiring in a sense. You look at guys like Kent, like Sabatini, et cetera. I know these guys, um, you know, they, they've been inspiring and they've been doing it. And now in the fourth district, after President Trump called out Congressman Chris Smith and said he wants a challenger, uh, you know, that is when, uh, you know, I started talking with Roger, who who encouraged this, uh, who has a long history of winning in New Jersey. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like a uh, a perfect storm that's brewing. So, you know, New Jersey is a is a interesting state because we have some very unique uh, election laws and stuff like that. But we got the team to do it. We got the energy to do it. And uh, we're going to be traveling around and working really hard uh, to leave it all on the field and actually be in the arena fighting for these things because somebody's got to pick it up and, and do it, um, you know, and, and we're going to take that fight right to them. Yeah, it's definitely something that I think uh, moving forward, I mean, all you do is add to what is already starting to look like a very promising solution for a lot of the problems we have going on in the Beltway right now. And I don't think that a lot of people can, uh, you know, really talking about getting to the root causes of fixing all the problems with our nation right now. Oof. Yeah. Not looking to identify the uh, origins of white rage, but to be able to win the House and Senate uh, in this conservative America first movement heading into the midterms right now is going to be the best way, I think, to solve that problem. Yeah, I mean, 100 percent, you 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 know, you you've had people who and look what Congress does, look at what they spend their time every minute they're on the clock. They're wasting our tax dollars voting over bullshit. It's like, let's focus on the things that are going to help the people. Let's not lie to them and tell them that the Build Back Better infrastructure bill, where only 11% went to actual infrastructure, is a win for people that say they want infrastructure. It's not. It's, it's duplicitous. It's a lie. So I don't see why we can't have representatives all across the country who are shining the light on this fraud and, and, and rising up and gathering support. And again, it's a lot of work. I've probably made more phone calls than I ever have in my entire life in the last 48 hours combined, but that's a good thing because, you know, we gotta, we gotta save this country. And I think that, you know, we have a prime opportunity now that the left has pushed us so far over, right. They've just overplayed their hand. You know, they are, they have shown themselves as the totalitarian mentally ill nutjobs that they are like never. I'm surprised how outward they're doing it, but now we can take it back and ensure it never happens again. Yeah, 100%.
you know, Mike, we want to be able to uh, direct our listenership to be able to find you across social media is also your campaign website. If it's up and running, we want to have everybody be able to get in there and donate. We, I don't think you're getting in the game late. I think you're getting in at the exact perfect time, but you know, time is money now moving forward and you, you really got to get that, that machine rolling. So why don't you let everybody know across socials where they could follow you and then we'll live link everything in the show description today. Well, I appreciate that gentlemen, MikeCrispy.com. That's it. MikeCrispy.com. And you can donate there, check out my positions and, uh, and learn a little bit more about the campaign, but that's it. And, and I'm grateful that you guys give me the platform and, and, you know, support of this. I was talking about this with you guys before it was even public. Yep. So, uh, you know, I appreciate the support and, uh, you know, it really means a lot. And we're going to, we're going to fight like hell, uh, to boot this Rhino. Yeah, it definitely sounds great. This is Right Side Broadcasting Network's host of Red, White, and Truth, and now New Jersey Four House candidate, Mike Crispy. Thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast today. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Well, that was really good hearing Mike being able to, uh, you know, come on the show finally. I think we are, besides for Right Side Broadcasting Network, his first interview. I know we beat Alan to it. He's going to have him on later today, but he airs his shows a little bit later down the road. Hopefully he'll be able to jump on at some point in the future and talk to Savannah again. Um, but I, I'm excited for the people of New Jersey four. And I also think it's another great, strong America first candidate that's throwing his hat in the ring. And he's got some great backing with, you know, Roger Stone's got a long storied history of getting things done in New Jersey. So I'm really looking forward to that. What I'm always, always, and in addition to looking forward to is having Savannah come back on the show. It was awesome getting to know you and uh, talk to you today. Do have to say, uh, pretty good experience. You, your sound quality is, you know, your podcast host yourself. So it sounds like we're listening to one of your shows. Except nice. This time we're interacting with you, and I think, you know, your commentary was pretty fire as uh, advertised on your podcast. Why don't you tell all our listeners where you can uh, be found on social medias, and uh, we'll be sure to direct everybody there and live link it in our show description today. Perfect. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was a lot of fun getting to talk with you guys here today and, uh, you know, just talk about what's really going on in our country and the importance of, you know, spreading this type of information. So thank you guys so much for that. Uh, people can follow me on the Rapid Fire podcast, Rapid Fire with Savannah Hernandez, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere you can find podcasts. And then also uh, Twitter at Rapid Fire underscore pod and Instagram at Sav with one N uh, and YouTube Sav says. So uh, go check me out over there. And again, gentlemen, thank you so much. And and Annette, thank you so much for uh, having me. I had a great time with you all. Yeah, she is the amazing host of Rapid Fire Podcast, Miss Savannah Hernandez. Thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast today. Joining us next on the Steak for Breakfast podcast today, he is a House representative candidate running in Pennsylvania 1, Mr. Bradley Lanning. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure, sir. How's it going? It's going good. Busy. Yeah, as I'm sure you would be as we're getting ready to enter that midterm season now. All right, let's jump right into it with you. America first candidate. Uh, people of Pennsylvania one are definitely probably reeling from the uh, results of the 2020 presidential election. We'll get into how you feel about that in a little bit, but let's talk about your motivation to run first. Yeah. So I think as, as many people across the country can clearly see our country is really heading down a very unpredictable and dangerous path. And so as I see our country unraveling and I see some of the career politicians and, you know, the Washington establishment uh, destroying our nation and disregarding what is good for, you know, the middle class America, I decided that it's important to get involved. And um, Brian Fitzpatrick uh, 
signed a host of legislation or supported legislation that um, really, as a Republican, but he is a Republican, but the legislation that he supported and in some instances co-sponsored actually were uh, very far left pieces of legislation. So uh, as a parent, I'm very concerned where I see the country go. And I want to make sure that my children have access to the American dream, the same American dream that I had access to. And so uh, this is my attempt to get involved and to push back. I kind of like the uh, motivation behind that there. You do talk about the American dream and having access to it. We've seen a lot of that uh, taken for granted in the last you know, 12 months with the current administration that we have occupying the White House right now. Uh, you know, I think specifically we could see it on the southern border where you have people who aren't citizens of this country coming in, getting free hotels, free money, free health care, which includes alternative therapeutics to uh, things that combat coronavirus like ivermectin, etc. They're not being forced to get mandated vaccines and, and things of that nature as well. And, and it's good to hear that part of your uh, motivating factor. Now, since you've announced your candidacy, how have things been going and uh, how's the reception been around Pennsylvania one? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that the reception has generally been on the positive side. Um, a lot of Republicans are fed up with um, Brian Fitzpatrick mm -hmm. and the direction that he has gone um, they feel that, you know, they although they voted for someone that was a Republican, that this, he's not voting uh, for conservative uh, legislation. In many instances, he's voting for legislation that's actually not even center left, but very far left, like the Paris Climate Agreement, right. the $15 minimum wage, the Equality Act. I mean, these aren't these aren't moderate types of legislation. No, they certainly aren't. And, uh, you know, I think one of the biggest things about this America First movement We've probably had over two dozen guests on so far who have announced they're, they're either, you know, in it like you're in it. They're, they've been endorsed by President Trump. We've had several former administration officials on who are, you know, either out there pushing the narrative right now or have announced their candidacy. When you talk about people like Casey Wardinsky and John Gibbs, who actually served in, you know, Patrick Witt, they worked in the last administration. They went back to their, their homes and, and were ready to, you know, do their lives and stuff like that. And they saw first of all, how bad it was ending the last administration and now how bad the country's gotten. They want to throw their name in the hat. I think a lot of people are starting to understand the difference. Rhino has been a term that's been used forever. Uh, it used to, you know, probably be a nickname for like one or two people in Congress. But when you see all these people in the House and Senate now who just, just do not vote America first and how it affects everything from national security and the borders all the way down to the economy and even the stuff that their kids are getting taught in school, they're not going to be taking that and standing for it anymore. Right. Yeah. I think, I think what you're seeing across the board, whether it's, you know, from the school board to the library up to Congress that Americans aren't, aren't allowing um, these career bureaucrats and politicians to uh, disregard their interests any longer. And, and we're rising up. Yeah, definitely rising up and, and for surely getting organized. What are some of the things uh, that, you know, may, might affect people in, in Pennsylvania one that, do you think nationally when you get into the beltway and talk about getting into the house that, that, that are some of the America first things that we can, we can really start to push to get uh, back to securing. Yeah. So I think um, continuing the general path that Donald Trump took with in, in regard to our trade agreements, ensuring that, you know, we are um, that any trade agreement that we are a part of that, that the people get the loudest voice at the table, not the corporate lobbyists, not the special interest groups, um, and not you know in, the, the international activists or, or the the voice of the media. So that every trade agreement 
that that we get involved is the, the primary frontline question should be how does this benefit the American middle class? How does this benefit American manufacturing? Right. Uh, how does how does this benefit some sensitive uh, industries that we need to make sure that are that are in our, uh, on in America that and remain in America? Um, and how does this uh, benefit? Uh, just your average, your you know your average Joe, and and not you know Wall Street and, and the big businesses. How does it benefit Main Street? So I think our trade agreements and, and our economy is is you know all across America is one of the biggest concerns, and it usually always is every cycle when you see inflation and rising gas prices, when you see us becoming energy dependent, right. losing our energy independence, which is also a national security issue. Um, what you see there is is and the printing of money. Um, you see this unsustainable path that we're on. And so I think that, you know, instead of instead of uh, structuring our economy with with America, with the American middle class being one of the last um, uh, groups of people that, you know, they consider that, that we have to put them on the forefront. So I think continuing that, um, I think that a lot of Americans in, in PA1 and all across America are concerned about our schools. They're concerned about the high crime rate. Which is why I would support. Um, I would uh, the, those the schools and the and the um, and, and and a lot of the the law enforcement would take place on the state level. But I would support legislation that holds DAs accountable by withholding federal funding from states that don't that do not hold DAs accountable when they unreasonably release uh, or shorten a sentence of a violent offender and they go on to reoffend. And even consider holding um, federal funds from schools that teach CRT or um, comprehensive sex education to students that aren't developmentally ready to um, to hear that. So I think education and crime and the economy are some of the biggest issues that um, people are concerned about, as well as our election integrity. And that's another state issue. But um, I think in my role, uh, it would be important to ensure that we do not federalize the elections, which the Democrats are trying to do. And that's what I would uh, fight tooth and nail to do. Yeah. How, how does people in your district feel about, you know, the results of the 2020 presidential election? Um, I mean, I think you have some mixed reactions to it. I think a lot of the, I mean, I am running in a primary right now. So a lot of the people I talk to are Republicans. And I think a lot of Republicans uh, feel that the election was stolen. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely uh, something that we try to look into. And, uh, you know, we've had so many people that worked in the administration come through our show. And when they just talk about the logistics of it and you look at the low polling numbers and how fast this current regime has been able to get in there and, and occupy the Oval Office and kind of just burn down every single thing that Trump did over the course of, of four years, it's it's almost impossible to not think that uh, – you know, there was definitely some funny business that went on with this election being rigged and stolen. So, you know, it's good to hear that your constituents are kind of getting behind that now, too, as well. Yes. Uh, let, let, let's talk about uh, the vaccine stuff right now. So, you know, these federal mandates are affecting a lot of people. I know we're hearing some. So we see some Supreme Court, uh, you know, they're having a conversation about it right now. Uh, you know, some of the original or the initial commentary that's coming out of there seems favorable. It seems like that, you know. The Supreme Court's wanting to know why some of this language makes it look like the administration and OSHA are trying to hide things in the verbiage of their of their federal mandates, or, which are affecting federal law enforcement, you know, a lot of the branches of the federal government all the way up through the military who serve, you know, both domestically and, and internationally. What do you feel about the, the vaccine mandates and what do you think would be, a, you know, a better response than uh, what's going on right now with all the federal mandates? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm completely against the uh, federal mandates. I, I mean, I would be against it. 
I, I, I'm a big fan of small government and right. a lot of these decisions should be made localized, but I, I reject it even on a local level. I don't think that I, I, I am a strong proponent of, um, you know, individual medical privacy and, and people making their own decisions. But I, I certainly um, am against, you know, some type of federalized vaccine mandate, which is one of the, the big things that Brian Fitzpatrick has actually co-sponsored was a bill to create a national database which would separate the vaccinated from the unvaccinated and help create a tier a two-tiered discriminatory society in which uh, what you see some of this going on in Europe and Australia um, where they can, you know, police and, and, and segregate the, those that are vaccinated from the unvaccinated. So I'm completely against it. Um, in principle, I'm against it, but I also, because COVID is such a low threat, especially at this point in time, um, I think that we are creating some, very serious societal problems. Uh, and we're undermining a lot of important elements of our society and what makes our civilization tick. And I don't think there's good reason for it, even aside from the principles. Yeah, that makes, you know, it makes a lot of sense. We, we, we talked with uh, Casey Ordinsky last week who, uh, you know, he's running in Alabama five and he was the uh, secretary of the reserves in the last two years for the Trump administration. And, and you know, he said, in part of his interview, we had with him last week that he had a sit down with the top epidemiologist for the army who basically told them that this is the flu, but the government is politicizing it. And, you know, we can't really do anything about it. If they've taken the power out of our hands. And he just thought that was one of the worst things that that could ever happen to, a you know, a fighting and defending force for our country. He said there was a point where the, you know, the administrators for the military sat down and talked about how they didn't want anyone who hadn't been able to go out to the range and shoot within the last six months to be able to uh, deploy for any kind of active duty. And they all received feedback, you know, from, uh, from the top that said, there's nobody in the military that hasn't done that. Nobody's been to the range for more than six months. And just imagine like you're going to send your fighting force out to hotspots in the world. And you have people that haven't been able to go to the range for, you know, a years at, in some instances, and it's just crazy to hear because of all these, you know, COVID restrictions and, and mandates that that's what they're putting our uh, fighting forces in the way of. Yeah, when you see what's, uh, how China's developing there, um, and, and, and many people think surpassing our uh, hypersonic uh, capacity, and in a lot of ways, they're building up their military in, in ways that truly threaten us and, and will continue to threaten us across the 21st century. It's scary to see where our military is focused, that we are focused on vaccinating young men and women who aren't at risk of the coronavirus, and in doing so, putting our whole country at risk of an actual threat like China. Yeah, it's uh, definitely something that we haven't focused on nearly as much as we did during the Trump administration when we really had China on their heels. They were literally buying, you know, food and supplies from us, which included rice, which, you know, may seem funny, but was was something that that truthfully was going on. And and now ever since the start of the pandemic, they've just been able to kind of do whatever they want and retake their footing in the, uh, you know, global spectrum. Bradley, this was really awesome kind of getting to know you today, hearing about your campaign and, uh, you know, getting your voice out on our program. We'd love to have you back at some point between now, maybe after the primaries, hopefully you get in there, be representing Pennsylvania one. And then uh, we want everybody who, who can follow you either to your uh, congressional website or your social medias. You want to give them to our listening audience. Yeah. So you can go to my website. It's Brad Lanning for Congress.com. You could also see me on my Facebook, which is Brad Lanning for us Congress. And that's my Facebook page as well. And I, I want to really thank you for the opportunity to be on your show today. Thank you. Anytime, sir. This is Running in Pennsylvania 1, Brad Lanning. Thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you. Have a great day.
jumping in now for the back end of the show, coming in to do the news with us. There are two people of uh, that make up the equation that is the Patriotic Meme Alliance. They are a force to be reckoned with online when it comes down to it. Uh, you want to talk about the fire memes that have been shared and featured by places like Newsmax's John Bachman, even Donald Trump Jr., Mostly Peaceful Memes, That Southern Dude. Thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. What up, what up? Thanks for having us on, guys. Well, it's our pleasure to be hosting, you know, two people out there who are uh, definitely part of the movement. Kind of take a little bit of a different vernacular when you're you're getting uh, your point across to get the message out there. But I think uh, it's one of the things that is always taken for granted, never appreciated enough. And uh, we're definitely glad to be hosting you guys today to do the news with us. Yeah, thanks thanks for having us. All right, let's talk about it. I, I want to get our audience accustomed with you guys. So I'll start that Southern dude. Let's. What's the motivation behind? You know, there's always the threats of big tech censorship, deletion of accounts. You know, people get nuked all the time. What What's some of the driving force that 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 has motivated you? I mean, obviously, you're, when you talk about your guys' memes and then all the other accounts that you're associated with that make up the whole patriotic meme alliance, fire content gets shared by pretty much virtually anyone who's anyone online in the conservative movement and more when people are crying about it. What's your motivation <laughs> behind getting out there every day and, and putting some of that stuff together? Uh, it's a political motivation without a doubt, obviously, when you go online and you see all this misinformation that's being put out there for other people to see. Uh, memes are kind of the way you get information to people through humor. It's an easy way to do it. Um, I think the more people share, it's it's a network. Like the PMA, we share each other's memes and it gets that information out there and it just kind of shows the inconsistency and um, the contradictions that the left have all the time, it kind of highlights it. And, and if anything, it kind of makes it easy to do because there's a little bit of humor behind it mm-hmm. and it, uh, it's easy to get motivated by all the bullshit that's basically being spewed by the left. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And then mostly peaceful. I want to, I want to carry on what he said and then hand it right over to you. He, he talks about, you know, the political motivation. Now, sometimes you guys don't necessarily uh, shape the news narrative. You guys can completely change it in your guys' instances with some of the memes you put out there to what the actual truth is. There's a lot of responsibility that goes in into doing that. Now, you know, it's it's funny to say, and you, believe me, your guys' memes are friggin' hilarious for the most part. I mean, I love them. We share them all the time, definitely on all of our accounts. But, you know, there's a lot of responsibility that goes out into taking these political memes and then making sure that they're fire enough and that they're right on point and that they're with the pulse of the narrative that's maybe not getting portrayed in the media. And then to have all these big share talk about how, you know, sometimes you, you might see it a little bit differently than obviously it's getting reported in the legacy media and then how you're going to get that out there and try to, you know, sway the narrative of the entire news cycle with just a couple memes. Um, I mean, I think that's, uh, I think that's being generous saying swaying the uh the news cycle but uh, i'll take it but uh i think you know it's just uh i think probably what makes a good meme is like it hits on just like an inherent truth and like just kind of being able to amplify that through kind of like visually and through like humor and i think that just really resonates with people and it it uh it's a very succinct way of like getting a message and an idea across. So, you know, I think, I think that's kind of like, that's kind of what you try to shoot for. I think when you, when you, uh, when you craft a meme or or whatever the uh, appropriate term for that would be. (laughs) 
Well, it's definitely a uh... Mike. It's like it's like you know I'm like a Rem, you know it's like Rembrandt painting a painting a painting a portrait. <laughs> how how poetic? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Right. Very nice. Very just nice. Be- just beautiful. Just beautiful words. When you, when you talk about the brush strokes that go into a meme of an FBI agent yeah. pissing over the fence, it's just right. Top tier. He's the Bob Ross of information. It's just it's yeah. <laughs> a little less afro though. Just start a uh, start a start a fine fine art museum with just you know nice big framed memes. You need a meme like a ward show. Oh, that'd be great. Well, if if John Bachman keeps doing what he's doing, there's going to be a meme and warm show, apparently. Oh, nice. He'd yeah. be good for it, too. He certainly would. Uh, and just, he, he's I'll definitely just, got the humor for it as well. You guys need to float that idea by him. I'll just start my own. And uh, uncoincidentally, I'll be the uh, the winner of a lot of the awards. <laughs> he's always in it for himself. For like, it's unbelievable. For like awards. <laughs> Forgotten country, sir. Forgotten Comple- country. I'm completely unbiased in this, but I think <laughs> I think mine was meme of the year. Oh, okay. Now we're gonna have to take some, some submissions <laughs> after this. All right, you know we're we're gonna get into the news that we got for you guys, but we are gonna talk about the front half of the show real quick. I want to get both of your opinions first. I'll start with mostly peaceful. We did our first segment with Savannah Hernandez. She's uh, the host of the uh, Rapid Fire podcast. And uh, we, we also interviewed Mike Crispy and, and, and Bradley Lanning, um, who were running in New Jersey 4 and, and Pennsylvania 1, respectively. When we did the news with Savannah, we talked about the theatrical performance that was yesterday and the whole narrative surrounding January 6th and the worst insurrection in the history of the universe. Yeah. So uh, mostly peaceful. You, you saw a lot yesterday. There were some great memes that came out from, from, from both of you guys regarding it. What is your whole take on the whole thing? And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll switch it over and get the same take from, from that Southern dude. Um, I mean, it's, it's political theater. Like, you know, I think it's, I think it's one of those like instances where it's like, it's very evident, like the propaganda machine, you know, kind of in your face and on display. Uh, like, you know, I've seen some pretty like funny tweets out there. Like some, some girl like tweeted, like I've had, I've had sex more violent than, than January 6th or whatever. <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it was pretty good. I was like, I was also too, I was like, dude, her, she's going to be getting flooded with the, with the, uh, this man. <laughs> Julian, like, Brown, Julian Brown was like, I, I've taken shits more violent than this. Yeah. Direction. I mean, I was like, oh, shit. Right. I mean, like, uh, I think, I think the, I think the, I think the, uh, the Democrats, the, their media allies and stuff like that. Right. Like they're, they're milking it for all, all it's worth. Cause it's, yeah. it's really all they have. Right. Cause like, if you really look at their messaging, like it's basically like orange man, orange man, still bad. And January 6th was the worst thing to ever happen. Yeah. Because like they can't really talk about anything else. Right. Cause like the economy sucks. Like they're getting, they're getting crushed by COVID, even though, you know, they made all these claims that, you know, they get it, get it under control and everything. And um, so like they, they basically have to stick to this narrative because that's, that's really the only uh, have left. messaging they can push is like Trump is bad. You know, Trump, Trump caused nine 11 times a thousand, <laughs> which is like absurd. Right. Cause like, it's, you know, at worst, it's uh, it's criminal trespassing. Although, 
I would argue with all the videos where the police off capital police officers are waving people inside and like let people in, like how can you really call it trespassing at that point? So like it's uh it's definitely absurd. But yeah, if you you're know, not gonna also, charge at least, even even the guy that pooped on the desk with insurrection, then everybody, yeah. everybody else <laughs> well, it's like go. right, it's like it was uh, it was insurrection and all this stuff, and it's like no one, no one's been charged with an, with insurrection or, yeah. you know, all the, you know, it's like trespassing. And I think it's like uh, interrupting an official proceeding or something like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, w- like, what are we really talking about here? You know, especially, I think too, is like, uh, you know, you know, right, right or wrong or whatever with, you know, people going into the Capitol, you know, regardless of how you feel about that. Uh, like the, the precedent had already been set for the last year, right? Where it was like, it's okay to riot if you're upset, you know, and you heard that message being pumped through the media, being pumped by Democrats saying stuff like, you know, where, you know, tell me, tell me where, you know, it says a uh, protest has to be peaceful, right? And all this stuff. And, you know, it's, it's basically, so like the kind of the precedent had already been set there. And then the same people are turning around and are like, it's like you criminally trespassed. Like, how dare you? How dare <laughs> you? You are Osama bin Laden. Yeah, <laughs> times a million. Times a million. Like if Osama bin Laden and Hitler had a child, <laughs> that's you. That southern dude. What do you think? You saw a lot of stuff yesterday. Obviously, in the news, everything from like maybe the cast of Hamilton singing about it to fake candlelight vigils where they had like a couple dozen, you know, grifting politicians up on Capitol Hill, make it seem like there was ten million people there. All the way to Ted Cruz getting absolutely destroyed by Tucker Carlson last night. You know, how did you kind of formulate into that whole narrative that you had getting pushed out there yesterday? I like how you gave me multiple segues into my memes. You guys are like. We Amazing. Do, I we, love you guys. We do our research um, <laughs> on this show. Um, I agree. It's actually, it's all political theater. It's driven by, uh, obviously, people have uh, different platforms. People are using it for political clout. So you get the individuals that if anybody brings up, you know, the word insurrection, like that, that's kind of what made me think of my meme the other day, where it, these the Democrats are driven by this weird, uh, force that if anybody even agrees with them, anybody with a blue check mark agrees with them, it's kind of like, oh, you're doing it, Peter. You're, you know, like, the book. like you're doing it. You're playing with us, Peter. You're doing it. This is this is what it's all about. And to be honest with you, that's the frustrating thing because uh, Americans with common sense, they have their own eyes, they have their own ears, they see what's going on, they see the evidence, they see the lack of evidence, right? So uh, when people are posting that, you know, or saying things, especially people with a great amount of political clout, like uh, Ted Cruz, when he said what he said, and then on top of it, tried to backtrack on his words, it just shows that there was no legitimacy to what he was saying in the first place. But why say it? Right. What's the political motivation behind it? Who's getting to you? That's It's the frustrating thing. So you have to be held accountable for certain things that you say. And I think in 10 years, when we look back on this, uh, and certain politicians that have said certain things or we're motivated by different driving forces. It's going to be exposed. I honestly think it is. There's how many hours of surveillance footage that hasn't been released to the American public yet. 
Uh, it's 14,000. Like ridiculous amount of uh, surveillance footage that hasn't been released, but why? It's like any other thing that the government has put their fingers on. It, it's a, a lack of information uh, when it comes from their side of what they actually want us to see and hear. But when it comes to big tech and the censorship, they filter the information they want you to see and hear. Yep. And, and it's all, it's a, the driving force behind it is the blue check marks and uh, media. They want you to believe what they want you to believe. And that's the frustrating thing. And that's why, and those kind of things motivate us to make memes. It, it's, it's almost hilarious, the hilarity behind it. If people haven't by this point seen that there is so much humor behind what is going on, how ridiculous it is, you have to laugh at it or else you'd really get frustrated every day walking out your front door. And that, that honestly is why we make memes. Yeah. It's yeah. A, I think it, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say is, uh, no, I think that's a great point, man. Like I know for me, uh, the meme is my therapy. Like that's how I, that's how I like keep my sanity with all the craziness going on. That's true. I, honestly, like when you read these headlines and you see these things and people get exposed for contradicting themselves time and time again, or you get individuals like Ted Cruz who, you know, last year was wearing a mullet and acting super based yep. and then comes over and says, you know, Mr. Mullet man is now saying that it was a terrorist attack and you're making a, a comparative analysis to nine 11 and other terrorist attacks that killed thousands of Americans. How do you not like open your eyes and go, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, uh, you know, some things that a lot of people don't necessarily take into account, but things that we like to point out on this show, obviously both of you guys do your research and your homework. A lot of it goes into the memes that you make and uh, seems like you're well prepared to be hanging out with us to do a little bit of the news today. Let's jump right into it. We're on a COVID forever, which apparently forever, ever, 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 you know, it's one of those things where uh, we've gotten to the point now to where you have people in the Biden administration or the Biden regime begging him to just let people live with COVID and, and kind of start to back away from this narrative. If, if his top aides are starting to realize that this is something that they're never going to be able to, uh, you know, wrap their hands around and get control of because that's just not the way viruses or pretty much anything in the world works. Um, you know, but, but we're going to see where that goes with the mandates. We got the Supreme court listening to it starting today and, and things like that. Jen Psaki weighed in yesterday and talked about how many more times you were likely to get COVID if you're unvaccinated. Also something that's 100% and unequivocally false she's a pathological liar every single you know expert and i'm air quoting experts even the retards like dr fauci and rochelle Lewinsky have both gone out and said that you know getting the vaccines now doesn't mean you're not going to get covid but let's hear her uh real quick weigh in and lie about it for a sec yesterday said this continues to be a pandemic of the unvaccinated isn't it also fair to say that it's still also a pandemic of the vaccinated given the breakthrough cases that we've been seeing. Hmm. Well, Jackie, we also know that you are seven time, 17 times hmm. uh, more likely to die of COVID if you are not vaccinated and 20 times more likely to be hospitalized. Uh, so I think in terms of the impact, the dire impact on people across the country, we should be very clear about uh, the impact of not getting vaccinated and the people who will be, uh, be hurt uh, be hospitalized and uh, face the threat of death the most. And those are the people who are unvaccinated. So, so now that I have, so COVID, how does that have anything to do with anybody who's vaccinated? Well, I don't know, but we currently both are experiencing COVID for the second time. Yeah. So does that mean we're now 30, 
36% more likely to die. <laughs> are, you, are you dead? Where is she um, getting these numbers from? I, I, don't, I don't know. It's it's all made up at this point. Yeah, one hundred percent, just made up, top to bottom. Well, those uh, like those numbers that she's using do provide some protection. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, you you know, it's just one of those things. These these the whole narrative behind it and the the lack of science that has really gone into this. Everything from like the experts who have been canceled, the alternative therapies, therapeutics, and treatments that have been made available and were villainized. I mean, we're taking alternative treatments right now, and I feel still kind of crappy, but for the most part, better than ever. We had like what day and a half of real bad. Yeah, I mean, if you you know rewind all the way back to when I actually had COVID before COVID was cool. Mm-hmm. I would have thought it was just a fucked up flu. Yeah. Which it was. And this time, had I not taken some over-the-counter test that told me I actually had COVID, I'd be like, all right, well, I got the flu again. Yeah. But have, you guys, uh, have you guys listened to that podcast, the Joe Rogan podcast with Malone? Yeah, it was yeah. good. It was really good. Yeah. It, and they actually go into, it's actually interesting. I also had COVID before it was cool. Uh, <laughs> I had it early in uh, 2020. I lost my taste and smell. I didn't get a fever. Um but I was interested in where they spoke that you could actually get Omicron or the new strain, even though you've had the original COVID. But the good news is, is that Omicron doesn't have nearly the amount of severity that the original one did. Nope. Yeah. Um, and it, it that being didn't. said, I mean, me, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Oh, I just said it definitely didn't. Well, yeah. that, you know, that it, being said, it's actually a good thing because now people are going to get quote unquote COVID and have and quote unquote have, antibodies. Quote unquote antibodies. And I mean, just by the massive infection rate that we're dealing with right now, there's the herd immunity that they wanted so badly. Well, it's almost right. like it's almost like we were saying this from the very beginning that this was the best way yeah. to get past yeah. this. And I'm not saying a lot of people say, Oh, that's heartless. You're not thinking about the immune compromised, anything like that. We are. Yeah. We actually are, because when you go into the science that's behind these jabs you realize that it's actually putting those people most at risk when you go into the science that's behind or the lack of science information that's actually being released to the American public. That's the frustrating thing. Yeah. You know, it's pretty interesting that you brought up the fact that, you know, some of the narrative that's being pitched out there when people kind of portray that narrative is as heartless because some of the things we've heard in the mainstream media, especially a clip that I pulled for our next one from CNN this week, definitely goes down the path of heartless, but it's not necessarily in the way that you think here. Check this out. Yeah. Again, I I get the idea of creating a moral standard here and really judging being willing to judge and say things out loud. The question is, and I also get protecting the vulnerable kids under five can't get vaccinated. People who are older and maybe have medical conditions, even if they are vaccinated are vulnerable. And I get acting in ways that make their lives safer. But by and large, if you're vaccinated and boosted, even if you get infected, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine here. It's the unvaccinated who are going to be hurt. So so why should anyone who is boosted bother at this point to do anything that makes the unvaccinated more safe? Well, look, I want us to act as a community. I want us to act as a team. When you're fighting a war... You need all hands on deck. I don't want to reject those who still haven't done the right thing. I'll condemn them. I'll shame them. Mm. I'll blame them. But I don't want to exclude them. They've got to come around. We can't win this war. We're going to be talking about COVID 
this time next year if we don't get more people to do the right thing. So we can't write them off. We just call we it can penalize them more. We can say, penalize you pay them? more on your hospital bill if you weren't vaccinated. You can't huh? get life insurance or disability insurance at affordable rates if you aren't vaccinated. Those companies should not treat us as equals in terms of what the financial burdens are that that disease imposes. So I can think of a number of ways in which we should say, mm-hmm. here's the stick, get on board. At the same time, we do need everyone. It's a war. you got to have uh, all your troops unified if we're ever going to win it. Yeah, it's still, by and large, it's the unvaccinated who aren't wearing masks. It's the unvaccinated who aren't social distancing. It's the unvaccinated. We sure aren't. <laughs> nope. So Correct. Guys, isn't it crazy to hear? I mean, that's not like, you know, some fringe podcast that's been barred off of every platform. I know their listenership and uh, viewership on CNN is down millions since Trump has left office. But believe me, we all know that a bunch of retards still watch that stuff there. And to hear that kind of narrative where, you know, people uh, who maybe work in those fields that they suggest, like life insurance, like the medical field, take that opinion and then bring it to work with them and maybe not by the books, but on their own accord, start doing it to people. Isn't that crazy to hear that that's the country that we're living in right now based off of what it was just a year ago to uh, it's networks like that, that are the reason why there's individuals who are wearing masks by themselves in their car or sleeping with masks (laughs) or sleeping with masks. I'm not even kidding. I, I, I saw a meme not too long ago. It wasn't mine. And, I really wish I could give it credit. I actually don't think it was even watermarked. It said uh, somewhere in the world right now, someone is showering with a mask. And it's true. It's true. But that's because we have networks and mainstream media, that type of information that's being disseminated to the public. And that's the reason why you're sitting in, you know, interstate traffic and you look to the side of you and somebody's by themselves wearing a mask. It's because they're fearful. They don't want to admit it. They don't want to say it, but they're fearful. Uh, mostly peaceful and me have had multiple conversations where we aren't fearful. There, there are things worse than death. There are things worse than getting a bad virus. And you ask anybody, you go up to a person that's wearing a mask by themselves in the car and you say, Hey, is safety more important than freedom? We all know what their answer is going to be. Correct. You know what I mean? We all know. I always like when they, uh, when they bring up the, uh, like the you know the unvaccinated should have to pay more for like health insurance because you know they're you know it's like all right if we're gonna start doing that man then like all right let's talk about obese people yeah yeah let's 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 talk about uh people that engage in uh, i don't know specific behaviors that make them uh much more susceptible to say contracting hiv like if if we're gonna start if we're gonna go down that road right like why is it why is it also now you know, it's the, the, the unvaxxed, you know, vanmen who, uh, who are the, the giant health issue to the United States. Right. And it seems like every, every time you see the person who's, you know, literally dying from COVID, that's just a breakthrough COVID death. It's always the person that kind of like could appear on, uh, my 600 pound life or more. Right. And, and you know, well, it's, it's, go ahead. Yeah. I think it was, some, I think it's something like the, uh, the average person who who died with COVID, you know, say with, because like the CDC changed their own, yep, basically disregard their own reporting criteria uh, for this thing. But like, I think the average average like death with COVID had like three co- comorbidities. Yep. You know, it's like it's a crazy concept that people who are in poor health 
who get sick tend not to not do well. Crazy, I know. It's never happened <laughs> well, before in history. That's what's crazy uh, from a personal standpoint, and I'm sure everybody's the same way. The people I know, myself included, who refuse to take the jab are individuals who live a healthy lifestyle and who have done their own personal research, you know, like, Oh, I've done my own research. No, you watch CNN and you refresh the CDC website, like every 24 hours. And that's your own personal research. My personal research, it didn't start when COVID was around. I had always been trying to take care of myself and my lifestyle. And so have my close friends the same way. And those people are still the people that, uh, aren't aren't jabbed i don't think it's a coincidence that these individuals are the people who refuse to you know comply in my personal opinion yeah you're 100 yeah. and we're definitely in the minority now uh but uh you know the ones that have been holding the line especially you know where you have some pressure at work to do so it's been uh it's been a rough road but definitely one that i would say have to overall be feels better right yeah well it's just everything it's been the people that want you to get vaccinated it's become not so much that they think there's actually any benefit of doing it because obviously there's not much in lieu of, you know, potentially being hit harder. Right. Possibly, maybe we'll see. Uh, But it's become this political thing where you don't want it. So now they want you to have it even more. Yep. And they're going to take anything that they can and they're going to mold to fit any sort of thing that they're talking about into trying to make you look bad for not getting it or trying to convince you to get it because you're hurting people, you're putting people at risk. And it's like, really, there's no evidence that says that any of that is even true. And you know, who's you? go ahead, Antoinette. I was going to say, you know what I think too, that a lot of people that already got the jab that are waking up to the truth too are bitter and pissed at themselves. Yeah. Like caved in. So it's like, you know, some people are like, you know, like, I got the shot, but I would not recommend getting it. I got really sick. But then you've got this other group of people that are really mad and bitter and that they see you that ha- that has stuck it out. Like, you know, all of us ha- that have not gotten the shot. And they're like, you must fucking get it because they don't want to be alone in that decision. Too. Nope. They want you in the club. Yep. They yeah. want you in their club. Now you'll never be fully vaccinated just like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. You know who is one of the most comprehensive health experts that has weighed in on this from the beginning and has been right on more things and anyone who works at the NIH, the CDC, the FDA, et cetera, is the only last good senator now, Rand Paul. Nice. Uh, he, he weighed in on the Omicron variant and kind of told us, you know, basically some of the stuff that we've already started to talk about. This is probably nature's way of saying, okay, after two plus years now, even me, no, Mother Nature, I'm speaking rhetorically, is fucking done with this shit. So now I'm just going to give it to everybody, regardless of your vaccination status, and it's not going to be that bad, and we're going to get over it. Let's hear how Dr. Paul kind of articulated that point probably a little bit more elegantly. We've got 150 million people in our country that have already had this. Now in the last couple of weeks, we're adding um, you know, millions of people every week who've already gotten this. And the one thing we know is that if you get this mild variant, the Omicron, it actually is going to protect you against the more serious variants. Mm-hmm. This is basically nature's vaccine that is running through the community. That doesn't mean that some of our vulnerable people may not suffer and die from this. We should be trying to protect the vulnerable. There you go. So, I mean, it's pretty good way in right there saying how... You know, and, and that's someone, he, again, he's not an epidemiologist. He's not a virologist. He's an eye surgeon. 
but uh, he still is a doctor and he works in the medical field and he knows how the shit goes. Listen, he's worked in just as many virology labs and treated just as many patients in the last 35 fucking years that Dr. Fauci has. That's a 100% fact. Hey, to your point, where people listen to actual Bill Gates and he has nothing to do with the medical right. field. So Exactly. Yeah, I think like I think for me like for my uh my mental sanity like once once like I reframed it as like it's not about a virus, it's not about it's not about your health. Right. You know, like you can kind of like take a step back and oh, yeah. kind of exhale and like, you know, it's like this is all just for show. But I think it might have been uh, the Dr. Malone that was on Joe Rogan recently. But uh-huh. like the best way I heard it put right was with the uh, in regards to the vaccine was if I get, you know, if I get COVID, there's a long list of proven uh, treatments for it with like an extremely high efficacy. But if I get myocarditis <laughs> from the vaccine, like there's nothing. No there's going no back way from to that, baby. That. No. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, and they try to explain away the, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's just, you know, heart heart inflammation. Right. It's, it's hard right, inflammation. That's, probably, like, that's been my favorite part is like all the, uh, I don't know if you've seen all the news articles coming out where it's like global warming is oh causing, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> causing rising cases of like heart issues Those and like smoking again. No, marijuana was my favorite one. Yeah, it's like, yeah. So now heart medication to kids, uh, the shots for kids now, you know, and how they're downplaying myocarditis. Like, if people just look at the, do their own research and look at the mortality rate and like how how serious that condition is. I mean, it's kind of wild. Yeah, they're they're blaming climate change. Like, too, right? Is like the uh, the amount of just like reporting on the Ver site, right? Like, I got uh, I got fact checked. The other the other day, you know, basically like, you know, or correlation is not causation or causation oh, is not gosh, correlation yeah. or whatever. But it's like, all right, man. But like if, uh, you know, if a bunch of doctors are like if there's a huge spike in uh, in reporting on the Ver site, I don't understand. Like you have to investigate the cases. But like if the reporting goes up like 20,000 percent, like. Right. Should probably be an indicator. Definitely a of red some flag. sort. Red yeah, flag, the, to say the least. You know, saying that saying that uh, climate change is causing uh, people who are having children to have children with heart problems. So it's, it's like, yeah. well, y- y- I mean, we're not talking about people that live out in the country and don't have air conditioning. Like, right. it shouldn't be affecting <laughs> the general public right. that we live. With. I mean, when's the last time anyone you knew who was pregnant was just like. Oh yeah, I've just been laying around out in the yard in the 120 degree weather, you know, in Vegas. I'm like, yeah. no, you're inside in the air conditioning, like taking it easy. Like you, you're you're a friggin' pregnant woman. You're gonna take care of yourself. Yeah. And then when they're downplaying the effects of something like heart inflammation, where it's causing scar tissue on the heart that doesn't go away, mm-hmm. it's just amazing. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. And uh, you know, you know who? Uh, there was one base segment I did find for our COVID Forever. And uh, it comes at uh, from Aaron Rodgers, quarterback for the Green Bay oh, Packers. Yes, he weighed in this week when he was asked uh, by a reporter via Zoom if he was bothered by the fact that someone who had a vote uh, from the Associated Press, his name is uh, Hub Arkush, 
uh, he, he's kind of an irrelevant reporter who just writes like shit postings about people he doesn't like. But he, he went on some talk show and said he made his decision all the way back in the summer that because Aaron, Aaron Rodgers was greedy and selfish and deceptive for not getting the vaccine, that there was no way, regardless if he broke every regular season NFL record there was in the history of the universe, like all the January 6s and like all the COVIDs and all the other narratives they spin out of control, there's no way he would get his vote for MVP of the league. So when Aaron was asked about it, he kind of weighed in. And it's sounds, kinda, sounds fair and balanced. Yeah, good to hear him push back. Yeah. Um, after what you said last week about what it would mean to win your fourth MVP, what, what do you think of one of the 50 voters coming out and saying yesterday, quote, I don't think you can be the biggest jerk in the league and punish your team and your organization and your fan base the way he did and be the MVP. I think he's a bad guy, and I don't think a bad guy can be the MVP at the same time. I think he's a bum. <laughs> I think he's an absolute bum. He doesn't know me. I don't know who he is. No one knew who he was probably until yesterday's comments. But, I mean, to and I listened to the comments, but to say he had his mind made up in the summertime, in the offseason, that, you know, I had zero chance of winning MVP, in my opinion, should exclude, you know, future future votes. Um, you know, his problem isn't with me being a bad guy or the biggest jerk in the league. Because he doesn't know me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know anything about me. I mean, I've never met him. I've never had lunch with him. I've never had an interview with him. Um, his problem is I'm not vaccinated. You know, so if he wants to go on a crusade Very and collude Very based. and come up with an, an extra letter to put on the award just for this season, and make it the most valuable vaccinated player, then he should do that. But he's a bum, and I'm not going to waste any time worrying about that stuff. He has no idea who I am. He's never never talked to me in his life. But it's unfortunate that those those sentiments – it's surprising that he would even say that, to be honest. But, yeah, I knew this was possible. We talked about it on Mac a few weeks ago. Um, but crazy. Yeah, it's pretty. You know what else is crazy? It's sad that, you know, people like Aaron Rodgers are. You could tell he's he's completely fucking fed up with what he does for a living right now, and he has been for a long time because of the bullshit that he's had to go through with this this whole narrative and and, and how it's spiraled out of control and kind of, you know, ensnared him and all of it. That, but I think that most valuable daxed NFL player. <laughs> that's a pretty good one. <laughs> so yeah, that shit was good, man. Like that was real good. Yeah, there's definitely maybe some. Uh, you guys take that back to the meme drawing boards for. Uh, yeah. Find out who that. Reporter, I agree. Find out who that reporter is and start tagging him on social medias with his new award. Right. <laughs> yeah. When's the last time whether you made a choice to have an invasive medical procedure determine your professional status or whatever and whatever you choose to do? It's it's ridiculous. Well, it's just well, we never like, we never shit on people for not getting the flu shot. That wasn't a thing. No. Yeah, that's I, I and I love how people make uh, like do a comparison like, like oh well you know your kid gets the polio vaccine or you get the flu shot it's like yeah um, that prevents you from spreading dying whatever from that actual initial disease and people always they now call they kind of group us all as anti-vaxxers right yeah. we're not yeah. anti-vax <clears throat> I mean me personally I'm not. I mean, I'm not anti-vax. I actually am. I am pro-science, but I am also pro-common sense. That's the and there's nothing against the anti. I think there is an actual argument to be made for some of these other vaccinations. That's a whole nother podcast. Right. But uh, when it comes to this one and everybody groups you into this whole anti-vax 
group and you're like, no, that's, that's not it at all. I just literally do my own personal research and this is a brand new, it, uh, documented issues, you yeah, know, heart issues, heart inflammation, that kind of thing. Death. Look at all these athletes around, you know, Europe and Asia who are just dropping dead when, when they're dropping pushing, like flies. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're pushing their bodies I to mean, the max with this stuff in their body, and this yeah. is the reaction that they're having. I think it. I think too, man. It's like it's uh, it's disingenuous to treat it like it's a normal vaccine, yes. right? Like there's never been an mRNA product brought to market before, like. Like it's, it, it does not work in the traditional ways that a vaccine works. Um, <clears throat> clearly there are some adverse side effects to it, um, that even as, as much as they try to cover up, like they still, they still can't hide. Uh, so I think there's legitimate reason for people to, you know, not, uh, not want something like that just on that basis, like, you know, same thing too with the Project Veritas videos yep. where they uncover it. They're, you know, using aborted fetal cells and there's aborted fetal material in the vaccine. Like there's, there's a lot of reasons to, for, I think someone to say no. Yeah, of course. And I think, I think see, right. It's like, you know, it's, it's the, you know, for me, it's, it's a, you know, it's a giant fuck you. Like, Oh, I have to do something. Nah, not going to do that. Cause fuck you, man. Like, yeah, I don't like you know, if, if nothing, if nothing else, right. Like it shouldn't be a controversial opinion that the government like can't force something inside your body. It, like, just, like, just like it shouldn't be a controversial like opinion that the government shouldn't just be able to look through your phone, you know, shouldn't just be able to walk into your house. Right. Like it's, it's privacy. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's the, you know, the, your own autonomy as a person. Well, the thing that people don't seem to realize is like, yeah, you're on board with it this time, but what if the next thing the government wants you to do, maybe you don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, dude, maybe you like, should I be like, like, Hey, I thought we, I thought we learned our, uh, I thought we learned our lesson with like the Patriot act and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. I went, it's like, it went pretty well. <laughs> yeah. It went super well. Right. Like there was a crisis. The government's like, Oh, we have a solution. And just, you know, you just don't get privacy anymore and stuff like that. It's, it's, you, it's like wash it's wash and repeat man when you do it in the name of safety right and right to protect well, people people that's the, the easiest uh, way <laughs> what's the uh what's the saying right like the uh the obedient also often think themselves virtuous yep that's yeah. that's it that's yeah. the way that is the path that is the way to, for compliance for people to think that that is you know the safe it's all about safety I think like I think too, man, like that's the uh I think that's kind of like the scary scary part of like all the I guess with all this is you see the see the rhetoric coming from from uh that extreme camp and it's uh you know I don't wanna make I don't like making comparisons to uh certain twentieth century uh <laughs> events and stuff like that. But like Oof. uh <clears throat> But without without saying it, like there, you see a lot of the same base ideas un- underlying underlying it. This idea of this uh, community, this uh, unified consciousness and health, right? And like mm-hmm. you 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 know, at, at the end of the day, and like that's that's really the opposition to it, right? Is it 
this everything with the vaccine and this collective immunity and everything it's 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 that same idea it rejects the uh rejects the idea of the individual and the like an individual sovereignty over themselves and you are you are part of a larger uh your cell in the body of the community and it's 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 that same same kind of underlying thesis and that's, I think for me, that's kind of the scary thing is like, it's, it's a lot of those ideas from turn of the turn of the 19th, 20th century, kind of, uh, kind of making their, their reappearance again. Yeah, it definitely makes a whole lot of sense too. And something that we're going to continue to, uh, you know, track heavily you guys with the memes and us with the news moving forward, making sure that, uh, yeah, we do the memes too a little bit. Yeah. Something, well, if, at the end of the day, if the best thing we could do is share them. But uh, making sure that we never get there. There's a lot of people in this country who are holding the line. They kind of try to make us feel like we're in the minority. But it, I, I definitely don't think that's the case. I don't think anybody else who's on this pod right now does. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to stay on it because it's one of those things. It's just, you know, this whole COVID narrative and the, the whether it's for medical freedom, movement freedom, anything freedom. You know, Raheem Kassam has, has teased that he doesn't think people are going to be allowed to vote in upcoming elections. Maybe not the midterms, maybe not 2024, but maybe afterwards if, if they don't get into this whole vaccine passport thing and we're going to make sure that you know the people of this country who are getting involved and doing the right thing make sure that never happens uh one of the things i wanted to touch on last with you guys you know there was some teasing this week it's kind of like maybe meme porn news porn you know ted cruz and a couple house republicans a few other senators were talking about the perspective uh before you know the whole january 6th thing kicked off and kind of gobbled up the news cycle for the last 48 hours but about you know some of the things that uh the Biden administration has done or not done over the course of the last year. Maybe no brand and I agree. I agree as well. Uh, moving down the road towards, uh, you know, impeachment after the midterm elections and what the relevancy was that Jen Psaki was asked her and her, you know, she was annoyed at everything. Why are you guys making up stuff about January 6th? Why are you guys making up stuff about COVID? Is Joe Biden going to get impeached? She was really pissed by the end of her press conference the other day. Let's hear what uh, she had to say when she was asked about it. She's a grumpy woman. Go ahead. Another, oh, go ahead. Sorry, another from uh, Todd Gilman, a fellow C-suite sure. rotation at the Dallas Morning News. Um, does the White House have a reaction to Senator Cruz saying um, President Biden may be impeached if the Republicans take back the House next year, specifically for the border policies? Well, uh, our reaction is maybe Senator Cruz can work with us on uh, getting something done on comprehensive immigration reform and putting in place measures that will help uh, make sure smart security uh, is what we see at the border, uh, taking a more humane approach to the border instead of uh, name-calling, accusation-calling, and making predictions of the future. Go. I mean, I think that's a pretty smart accurate prediction. Security. What does smart security look like? Is that like a... I don't know. <laughs> smart, like smartphone? Welcome robots? Smart bombs. Here is your green card. Welcome to U.S. <laughs> I just like how uh, anytime she like gets asked a question that's not a softball, like you know she gets uh, just gets like super angry and like super, super abrasive. Like, yeah, it's like oh well, maybe Ted Cruz could like, uh, just you know learn how to go fuck himself and that, then that's essentially yeah. what she said. Maybe, right? Like it's uh, I don't know, man. Like it's been super interesting watching like. Just kind of like the Democrats, like PR apparatus in the last year or whatever. Or like, lack thereof. <laughs> like, yeah, like it's like, who are these people hiring? Because it's, it's, uh, it's hard. Like, I was an advertising major in college and it's like hard to watch. And it's like, how are you, how are you this bad at that? Like, they're all kids. like the Democrat National Convention no was substance. terrible. 
There's no right. substance like, to anything that they're doing. Like, so. like the whole, like the whole Hamilton, like yeah. singing thing for Jane. Like, it's just like so cringy. Yeah, I was gonna like, say. I'll tell you who, who is who the is, Jonas who is the guy. Yeah, the, yeah. It's like who who are the people like green greenlining this? Like, yes, this whole yeah, like or, the decisions with these people. It's <laughs> so bad. Like when you see it in compare and contrast from I was actually administration to this one. You're like, oh gosh. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that earlier today. It was like it almost you know it's like it's like it's written for the people in the DC Beltway. Yes. And that's it. That's it. You yeah. know, and it's like it's it's a completely it's a message that. that's com- just completely disconnected from like anyone who lives outside of that like DC to New York area. Yeah, they, they want they want everybody to think that the COVID that they show you on TV is COVID everywhere. We all know it's not. We we live we talk to people all over the country, we talk to people all over the world. It's just not. They want you to think that critical race theory that is so important, you know, and and the, and the one that's taught by the idiots that made it up is is the same one that's getting taught to your t- children. You know, and in all the classrooms across the country, it's not. They want you to think that, you know, opening up the borders is making everybody community so much great because they're they're secretly flying them all over the country in the middle of the night. It's not. And, uh, you know, it, it's things like this that they're just losing every battle on. And like you said, even even things with that Hamilton, the dancing nurses that they did during Christmas time, it's just like fucking cringe after cringe of things they're doing that identifies with literally no one except like the oldest of boomers who watch this shit like it's their religion every day on TV. And that's basically it. It appeals to people in D.C. Like, because yeah. I was like, I was like, no, who like Hamilton? D.C. people. Yeah. Like, that's. That's like that's that's why they you know that's why they do that stuff. Meanwhile, their mayor takes off whenever she wants and goes to whatever free state she needs to do to go party with no mask right. or bikini. Weird, weird how that works. Huh? Imagine that. So yeah. Well, some guys that someone that your guys are friendly with, John Bachman, followed up on this question. He had Senator uh, Louis Gomert on yesterday and and kind of talked with him a little bit about uh you know this narrative that Ted Cruz, a few other senators, and some House Republicans, including Matt Gates, were talking about the other day. Let's hear him kind of weigh in and get the start of that narrative. See how he kind of followed up on that. I did impeachment talk getting louder today. Texas Senator Ted Cruz already laying out the case should Republicans take out the House and the Senate in this year's midterms. He says the GOP will be under enormous pressure to impeach the president if they do, in fact, win back control of Congress. I think there are uh, potentially multiple grounds to consider for impeachment. Probably the most compelling uh, is the utter lawlessness of, of President Biden's refusal to enforce the border. Well, you heard Cruz talk about the border there. There are other reasons, as he mentioned. Some have already talked about the failed Afghanistan Mm -hmm. withdrawal. And there's also this new article to talk about in relation to that today. From Breitbart here, President Biden is hiding the arrest records, terrorism ties of tens of thousands of Afghan refugees brought to the U.S. since August of last year. Again, this is according to Breitbart. It also mentions that Republicans Josh Hawley, Rick Scott, and Ron Johnson, senators recently asked the Biden administration to provide more information on the vetting process, but they have yet to receive those answers. And let's talk about this a little bit more with Texas Congressman Louis Gohmert. Congressman Gohmert, great to have you back with us. Great to be with you. Thanks so much, John. I mean, this is a, a damning report. We've already seen some bad news coming out of these Afghan refugees coming here. Uh, I mean, this is, again, just one of these horrible examples of, of, of what's gone wrong with the president's immigration policy with refugees coming from Afghanistan or from the southern border here. But what is your reaction to this Breitbart story? Well, it, it is consistent with this president uh, willing to harm America 
in order to try to make himself look more benevolent or something. But there is a constitutional uh, obligation under Article 4 to, to prevent and secure every state from invasion. And we got more than 2 million or, or around 2 million that we know of came into the United States through our southern border. And then you've got the United States government under Commander in Chief Biden bringing people with terrorist ties into the country. I mean, this is so outrageous. Uh, we don't have the majority. We can't pass an impeachment uh, uh, motion. But for heaven's sake, at least the president ought to follow the old uh, Hippocratic oath of doing no harm. But uh I know he didn't take that oath, but he <laughs> took an oath to the Constitution, yeah. and he is violating it just constantly. So, I mean, Louis Gomer's pretty based anyways. You know, he was kind of worked up there. I had a tough time getting his words across, but I think the message, you know, he got out there was uh, pretty clear cut. What do you guys think as far as, like, you know, looking down the road, midterms? I mean, it's definitely not, you know, the road that we all wish we had to travel right now where, you know, it's going to take a lot of these extremely based and uh, – uh, super partisan po politicians coming out of the woodworks who are going to run as America first, whether or not they're Trump in endorsed and vetted or good, or they're just like the, the cream of the crop ones like Sabatini and, and Canton people like that, you know, that are going to get in there and really start to make some noise and actually follow up on the things they say they're going to do and not be rhinos um, moving forward. You guys see uh, impeachment, maybe volume one for, for Joe Biden coming up here after the midterm elections. I don't know, man. I mean, it kind of sounds like midterm elections talk to me. Like, you know, I think there's definitely stuff they could impeach him for, but like the border kind of seems a weak one. You know, yeah. I think, I think, uh, you know, his continued involvement in Ukraine and China with, you know, money flowing through his son and stuff like that is probably, probably much more impeachable offenses in my opinion, but it, it, I don't know. I'm, I, I guess I'm a little bit of a pessimist at this point. I it sounds sounds like good uh, political talking points, but but I don't know. That's I think that's probably all it is. I I agree. I was just about to say it sounds like they're playing political softball. Uh, it's going to yeah. be a distraction for other people. Um, it's kind of like the carrot. Everybody thinks, oh yeah, we're yeah. going to impeach Biden. This is we've accomplished yeah. something. It's a it's a distraction. Don't get me wrong. I think Biden is horrible at what he's doing <laughs> but at the end of the day uh the american people deserve better than another distraction yeah. uh, i think we need to get him we need to, he shouldn't be in office in the first place uh but if you're going to go a certain route go the voter fraud route and we all know that's a you know that's a long road i'm just saying to tell us that you're going to do something over the border crisis I, I think that's kind of belittling in my personal opinion. Yeah, it definitely makes the uh, yeah, I mean, the average voter who thinks the election was rigged and stolen, like I think pretty much we all do, uh, look like idiots, and that's definitely not the case. Yep, yeah, I, I mean, completely like, agree. Yeah, like you're you're you know you're seeing Ted Cruz kind of doing the you know typical uh, politician doublespeak, right? Where you know he's moving for impeachment of Biden while calling people on January 6th terrorists and kind of like playing both sides, it seems like. Yeah, 100%. You know who uh, usually doesn't play both sides and uh, sat down with One America News' Christina Bob this week? 
uh, right after New Year's was Donald Trump. They had an exclusive interview. It was a shorty, but a goodie. She sent me the link before it was up on the the website. I'm much appreciative of that and, and you know, the friendship she has with, with us and our show. And uh, I thought it was a pretty good interview. I did want to play in our last audio clip of the day a small snippet from that and kind of just let everybody wet their whistle with a little bit of the probably most missed man in conservative politics who we can't wait to hit the uh, – campaign rally trail again here in a few days. Let's listen to her, him sit down with Christina now. Well, and you're talking about how the press really had accused you of potentially getting us into wars with North Korea, with yeah. our enemies, and accusing you of creating unsafe environments and yeah. all of that. And just in the first year, we're seeing that that's actually true for the Biden administration, but it was never true for your administration. In fact, I was the first president in many decades that didn't get us into a war. They were all saying, he's a warrior, he's a war guy. He's somebody that loves wars. I don't. <laughs> but people respected us, and right. they weren't going to mess around. You know, when you're weak, you end up in wars. And we were respected. So one year ago, we were respected like probably never before. China respected us. They weren't buying oil from Iran. Now they're buying massive amounts of oil from Iran, making Iran rich. Uh, China wasn't doing that. Iran would have had to deal with us within one week after the election if the election wasn't rigged. Right. We would have had to deal with Iran. We would have had to deal with every, every, everything was going beautifully. And then the election got rigged and stolen <laughs> from the American people. And by the way, that's the reason they went in massive numbers. They don't cover the numbers of people. They always show the capital with a very small, just a tiny percentage of the people that were right. there. They never show helicopter pictures of that incredible crowd because it was the largest crowd I've ever spoken before. I've never had a crowd. I've never seen a crowd that big. It was, it was massive. It was the so real number. I won't say because it'll be a headline. Oh, he exaggerated the number. <laughs> the real number was over that sacred number. Okay, yeah. you know what that number I was, do. right? I do. What's, what's the sacred number? What's sacred number? I don't know what it is either. <laughs> Dude, it's it's so great. And the thing is, like, they Christine keep... Christine is just like, I, I, I don't know. No, they keep panning back and forth. And I, like, texted her as soon as I was done watching it. because What's the like, sacred number? No, I said, Dude, he made you laugh, like, three times. And she's like, I know. She's like, one time we had to stop because I started laughing. Right <laughs> she's like, when he did That's his... super funny. When, yeah, when, she, when he did his first rigged and stolen, she was, she was just, like, sitting there giggling. <laughs> He's like, the election was rigged. The election was rigged. And then he, like, waits, like, 10 seconds, and it was stolen. Trying, a different, <laughs> trying a little bit of a different delivery. So get, getting ready for the rally season. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things you kind of take it for what it is. Oh. He's kind of got to sit back and relax right now as, as uh, you know, he can't announce anything uh, because of campaign finance laws and stuff like that. And, again, it's, it's what nobody in the conservative movement and the America First movement wants to hear or see, you know, having to have Donald Trump run again in another presidential election because of what happened in this last time. But. You know, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to some of the places that are that are really working on it right now. Mark Brnovich hasn't done shit in Arizona. We've got, you know, tie up in the courts in Wisconsin, which is another big one and should should have been an easily winnable one. And then you got John Solomon's expose coming out where he's saying, you know, up to maybe 200,000 ballots could have been affected in Georgia by these ballot harvesters and dumpers. So we're going to have to kind of see where they go with that and, and, and you know, Hopefully it'll be uh, not too little too late by the time we get some disposition on those things. So what do you guys think moving forward? It'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see, man. Like my brother was a uh, ballot watcher in the TCF building in Detroit during the election. So that's crazy. Like I can't, uh, I can't speak to everywhere else, but I can speak to that and what happened there. And like, 
my it's friend like, too in Michigan and Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. It's it like bad. if if yeah, like they are uh, uh kind of the short synopsis is like I think it was like 10 or 11 p.m. They basically the Democrats realized like oh we're we are underwater. Yeah. And uh yeah, they started busting in all these uh Antifa type operatives into the uh the count rooms to start running interference and like try to get uh, the Republican ballot watchers thrown out. And then, you know, this is basically going on all night, like not letting people leave to go use the bathroom or if they leave to go use the bathroom, like you can't come back in. Mm. And then it basically God, culminated. You sound like such a conspiracy theorist it right now. It basically you know? culminated in the morning where they, they, uh, they basically locked during the shift change, they locked them all into the, uh, that lobby and then that's where that photo you saw where they were boarding up the windows and everything and finished the count came from was they 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 like had the uh i think it was macomb county mm-hmm. sheriff sheriff seppi locked them in the lobby and board up the windows and like my brother was texting me in real time as it's happening so that was that was pretty wild so i don't know man it'll be interesting seeing what happens with elections going forward yeah, just in general. Well, just, I mean, yeah. seeing all those just insane things happen, it's like there's no, there's no sport that that's okay in. No. Like, no. let alone, like, the no. election of a country, unless you're in Venezuela. Then, the country, you know, well, right. then it's, yeah, normal Then practice. it's normal practices, I, but. I know, I know, it called, I know, you know, I know it makes me crazy, but, like, vertical lines of data does not exist in reality. Yeah. Like, that's, it's not a thing. Yeah. No, it's, it sure doesn't. Hey, listen, guys, this has been awesome having you both on the show today. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy, probably normal lives and me making schedules to come down and uh, spend some time with us, do the news, give your opinion, get a couple laughs out of it. Moving forward, obviously, we'd, we'd of course, love to extend invites for you guys both to come back. You're always welcome on Steak for Breakfast. Uh, so I guess we'll start with that Southern dude first. You can direct everybody. You guys want to talk about the rest of the Patriotic Meme Alliance, give some shout-outs to where our – listenership if they don't already follow you guys can follow you guys across social medias and of course we'll live link everything in the show description today yeah you guys can follow me on instagram on that underscore southern underscore dude on instagram on getter and twitter on tsd memes Uh, and as far as the patriot meme alliance goes uh, i think you guys should also follow grand old memes silent meme majority Mm -hmm. uh, american manta uh, what i mean to say Filthy Conservative and Richard Rapoy and Dumbass Photoshop. I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of their memes out there. <laughs> yeah, uh, They make me- really good content. It's all been shared by really big accounts. And I honestly think uh, we're going to keep growing. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Mostly Peaceful, what about your socials? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, on uh, Instagram, it's my main account right now. Um, it's uh, mostly.peaceful.memes. Um, I think on Instagram or uh, Twitter, I'm mostly peaceful and same thing with like getter and uh, yeah, Gab and the other ones. It's like mostly, mostly peaceful or some variant of that. Um, some, uh, some good guys. If you guys are on Twitter at all uh, to follow that I enjoy is uh, Ebeth, um, cocaine, Mitch. Yeah. Uh, the Cocaina, uh, Davari Chad, um, Cox, and Dr. Ricardo Harambe. I also want to give a 
can I give another yeah, uh, shout out to? Of course. Um, I actually found out, uh, long story short, I actually found out that a really good memer off Twitter uh, lived in the same town as me. That's Mitch Midnight. That's a great or Midnight account. Mitch. Yeah. He's also Midnight on Mitch. Twitter and he's on Instagram. His uh, handle is interchangeable. Really good. Got a big Twitter following. He's mostly on Twitter. Um, guy is a genius when it comes to the memes. So also give him a follow as well. Yeah, I think you guys were sharing him, and I, I started sharing his stuff recently as well, and I saw definitely some some top-tier work. And listen, guys, don't ever be afraid just because, you know, these guys are showing up on the meme team Friday on, on Newsmax or you see Donald Trump Jr.'s feed or another huge account feed and their memes in it. Message them on social medias if you want to find the rest of the, you know, the Patriotic Meme Alliance or some of those other accounts that will message. They're just regular guys. We're all out here doing the same thing. We're trying to to bring the truth in the best way we can and, you know, ask you guys to continue to research and, and obviously research your memes too to make sure you have the, the top tier ones. But th- they'll be more than happy to just talk back. That's the reason why they're both on the show today. We've been following them for a long time, you know, been talking to that Southern dude for a while about it. And he reached out to mostly peaceful and here you go. Episode 97. So gentlemen, thanks for both st- taking some time to join us today on steak for breakfast. And we look to have you back in the future. Thanks so much thanks for, for having us on guys. See, not as bad as you uh, thought it might have been with the amount of guests we had, Noah. That was easy. Yeah, not bad. Just a little cutting and splicing, and uh, here we are, episode 97 in the books. If you want to know where you could listen to episode 97 and all of the episodes of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, you could find us on all downloadable podcasting platforms. You listen to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, Google Podcast, FM Player, and now iHeartRadio. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Don't forget to leave a review. And uh, as always, download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds of the week. Obviously, go to all of our guests and friends. Uh, Savannah Hernandez, host of uh, Rapid Fire Podcast. Mike Crispy, who's uh, running for a house seat in New Jersey 4. Mostly Peaceful Memes, That Southern Dude, and Congressional Candidate running for a house seat in Pennsylvania 1, Bradley Lanning. In addition to that, we have our internet friends, Cagbro88, the Patriotic Babe Accounts, Mr. Garbaggio and all of his accounts as well, Christina Bob, thanks for the uh, insider listen on the Trump interview from One America News, and Tom Pappert, the editor-in-chief of The National File. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to support all of our sponsors. They're small American businesses, and the best thing that you could do is uh, help make them great again. My pillow. Go support Mike Lindell. Go support a good night's sleep. Giza everything. MyPillow.com forward slash steak. Promo code steak at checkout for up to 66% off and more. Or via the telephone, 1-800-658-8045. Odyssey, the top tier of ear gear. Noah's wearing it. Looks extremely uh, like he's in his good comfort zone of hearing. He nodded yes. Odyssey.com. Find him on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay Ready Gear holsters. Find them at Stay Ready Gear USA. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. Melt down some plastic. Put a little picture on it. Shove a gun in it. Hide it underneath your shirt. You've got a new shop. Orders are shipping out faster than ever before. Man rubs. Noah loves it. Delicious. I also enjoy it. 
you uh it's pretty easy equation to uh use the man rubs you uh buy it shake it rub it throw it in the smoker gets all drippy and glistening slice it up throw it in your mouth num 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 facebook and instagram as well for those guys west coast survival arms go get yourself a firearm if you've already got one go buy another one if you have too many trick question there are never too many yeah i was like where are you going with this buy an eighth and then ammo for it mike's got a newly redesigned website at westcoastsurvivalarms.com you could reach him via the telephone at 619-870-6992 or on facebook messenger mediocre medic they support all of our first responders and so do we you can find them on MediocreMedic.com. they got a pretty fire IG for all that first responder gear, both on and off duty. And then the top tier of tactical gear, Mark Joe Friday, owner of Dumpbox.us, home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Upcoming shows. We'll be uh, coming back on Tuesday with uh, Congressional Challenger to AOC running on the Republican side, New York 14, Desi Quaylar will be joining us, as well as Kelly Cooper running in Arizona 11. Hannah Kirkpatrick's going to be guest starring to uh, do the news with us. We have episode 100 coming up on the 18th. Nick, Nor, and Geisha are all confirmed. It's going to be a good time. We'll see who else is going to jump in and uh, stop by the show on that day as well. On the 21st of January... Nancy Mace's primary challenger, Linz Piper Loomis, running in South Carolina 1, will be joining us, as will Bo Hines, who's running in North Carolina 7. And then looking ahead down the road a little bit as we fill the rest of our January schedule, first week of February, first Friday there, Amanda Milius will be joining us. She's really uh, out there marketing for that McAfee documentary she's working on, and uh, we're going to really look forward to sit down with her and uh, spend some time. Friends of the Week, Real Brenda Memes, The Silent Meme Jordy. Dumbass Photoshop, Madam America, Dank Elvis, Lord Petty shared our account yesterday. We really appreciate, uh, you know, him jumping out there and uh, he feels the shadow ban as well. So, you know, it's one of those things we appreciate it when, when Rodney goes and uh, throws us up in his socials. What I mean to say, period in between each word, truth on draft, the Duke of memes, and Pubertos. There you go. Guys, thanks to remember between now and next week. Super easy. Not hard to do. First one, your own research. Uh, whether you're making dank memes or you're reporting the news, you definitely want to do a little research before you do either one of those. Something else you probably want to do a little research for is starting your own podcast. Noah? Well, it's super easy. Very easy? Yeah. So what do we have today? Five guests in three hours versus... Six Zoom calls, including our host. Seven if you include us. No preparation. No, you just smash the keyboard and it just happens, a podcast. I just hit control, I'll delete. There you go. A couple times? Yeah. So start your own. Uh, and then at the end of the day, let's see what happens. Like I already mentioned, we'll be back on Tuesday with episode 98 of the show. Desi Quaylar running in New York 14 and Kelly Cooper running in AZ 11 will be joining us. Thanks for listening to the show. And on behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Excellent work today, Antoinette. Bye, guys. Thank you, dear. Thanks for listening, and take care. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Madam Chair.
Chief, welcome. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Uh, and I want to start by, by thanking the heroic service of the men and women who, who serve alongside you. Uh, we are approaching a solemn anniversary this week, uh, and it is an anniversary of a violent terrorist attack on the Capitol where we saw the men and women of law enforcement demonstrate incredible courage, incredible bravery, uh, risk their lives uh, to defend the men and women who serve in this Capitol. We are grateful for that courage. We appreciate uh, the selfless sacrifice uh, of the men and women who, who keep us safe. Oh, scissor me timbers!